Yeah, actually, I was thinking about this episode. We would just kind of um, start talking and roll right into the podcast, and then I'll I'll introduce the it. First minute and a half. Well, not not the first minute and a half. We can we can just roll right into it because I I would what, I right. What's the what's the use of stopping it, xing it, hitting record again? Well, see, I was thinking um, what I'll do because it's the the two year anniversary. Is that I have a long form of the intro, so it's it's gonna be like the and then when people think it's gonna get into the show, it's gonna keep going. So it's a little <laughs> bit of a it's a little bit of a, a troll for our um, our listeners, and then and then as well as this is gonna be in there as, as well. So you're gonna get to this point and you're gonna be like, oh, see, it was it was Gigabrain from like weeks ahead of time. To make you uh, waste more of your time, mm. but this is how to waste your time. That's that's what, what the name of it is. That now that would have been a great start. That would have been like, <laughs> I love in the in the same breath you're recognizing it, and you could have just started. I could have just rolled with it. All right. Well, I got I still got to count us in. Just so you guys know, I count us in every single episode. So if I don't count us in, it's like, did we even start the episode? Has it even started? Like it would it just would be confusing. Like our feng shui will be all off. Feng shui. All right, you you ready, bro? <clears throat> I'm ready. <clears throat> Let's get those throat clears in. <clears throat> a little behind the scenes, a little pull of the curtain, little pull of the kimono. Um, you know, see what's underneath. See the sausage. See our sausage made. <laughs> Lift the kilt, so to speak. Um. Okay. Here we go. Three, two, one. Hello and welcome to How to Waste Your Time. The podcast that has been going for two years straight. Skibbity bop bop. How does it feel? This is my co-host, uh, Darian Dira Equipado. If this is your first time ever listening, welcome. I'm, I'm, I'm so good, appreciative. Good episode to start on. Yes. You are, you are joining us at a um, climax of our journey. Climax of our uh, podcasting journey. Yes, <laughs> yes. Thank you for clarifying that. Not, no other type of climax is going on here, and has been for a few uh, months. But <laughs> we're, you're, we're so grateful to uh, have you as a listener and have you uh, be here because this is a special one uh, for our two-year anniversary. What we did is we took to the streets. We um, we uh, thumbed it. We hitchhiked and we just got any anybody and everybody who uh, has ever cared about us uh, we asked hey can you give us a recommendation because instead of us finding content um, as I alluded to in in the last episode we gathered 18 pieces of content um, two per medium you know we have nine mediums and we gathered them from listeners old and new and they are now our content that we have to we had consume for the month of July. So it's a little bit of a, a renaissance episode. Also a big thank you to our, our listeners for keeping our dream alive and just for, for engaging with us because uh, giving back to the community a little bit here. Well, this episode is, you know, for you guys. 100%. Um, that being said, uh, so we have 18 unique pieces of content. We'll introduce each piece of content and we'll explain who... Um, is the one that recommended it to us, and then we'll go into our review of it. Um, however, uh, Dira does start work in uh, 
four hours? Start work in four hours, correct, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> and he has to leave before that. So, you know, in, in typical How to Waste Your Time fashion, we are uh, on a time crunch here. Right. We got three hours. That's more than enough time to record and me to get out of here. Yeah. I mean, we got, we, I mean, the, the content's juicy, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll keep it tight. Um, we do have both segments. It wouldn't be a How to Waste Your Time show without uh, both special segments before we... Uh, top segments. The top, top of the show segments. Uh, first off, we'll start with the... We'll get the quick one out of the way. Uh, we've got a timetable segment. Um, Jared McBride, who uh, you might hear his name come up a little bit later in the show. Uh, he gave us an email, uh, and I like to ring out loud. But first, I'm going to give you the, the subject of it. it. The subject is the boys for the boys. Huh? The boys for the boys. Uh, opening lines. Boys! Exclamation, exclamation. Congrats on a great two years. Thank you, Jared. Thank you. Love listening to the podcast every month. Speaking of boys, comma, I have a show recommendation for you guys. Exclamation point. The boys just finished season three on Amazon Prime, and I think it's a great show that you guys would really enjoy. Thanks. Jared McBride, sales development representative, Adobe. He had a flex on us there a little bit at the end, but... You know, neither here nor there. Um, so let, let's let's talk about the boys for uh, thirty seconds. You, you watched any of it? I've watched all of it. Oh, so this is gonna be a, a me thing. <laughs> it is a you thing. You finished season three. Yeah, I, I I'm pretty sure I presented season one on here. Did you? I'm pretty sure I did. Did I you? Said, I said it was gross butt humor, and then you probably wouldn't watch it. So I, I have seen one episode. I watched the first episode. And I was like, I was like, yeah, this is a little vulgar and early for my taste. But I did tell Jared, I said, hey, J-Rad, McBeezy. Um, J-Rad, McBeezy. I'm, I'm for you because you, you've written the show and you've been such a faithful, devout listener. I will watch the second episode. So I'm going to give this show the second episode. If I want to keep watching, I'll keep watching it. But yeah, I just don't think it's for me. Um, if I can give you, I, I, I hate hearing this. You know what I mean? So I know it comes off like it, anytime I say it, I have to preface it, but it's like, it gets better as it goes on. Mm. Like it, it, uh, no show should have to get better. Right. Start um, off strong. But I do think the, the reason for that is the first season, um, it just doesn't quite have its groove and it's just using its humor per se to like draw people in and it's not till like the end of the first season second season and third season where um all the characters like pretty much uh flower and bloom um one of the greatest compliments i heard about the show is they said if you like the animated series invincible then you'd like the boys and i loved invincible but i think there's something about the animation that makes it a lot more forgiving yes I, i would i would agree um the other thing about invincible is that uh it doesn't have as much like, it's definitely not nearly as much like just straight up like vergal, ver, straight up, um, vulgar and right. uh, gross or even just graphic at t- at times. So I know you don't have this prepared, but if you're giving seasons one, two, and three a rating of the boys, what would you do that? Um, season one, I'm 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 at like an I don't want to f up what I had already rated, but probably like in I'm, hindsight an eighty two. Yeah, and I, for all my listeners at home, your rating is whatever you feel right now. So even if you right. gave it something higher or lower beforehand, you know, it's, if that's what you feel right now, that's what your um, rating is. 
season two, I'll probably be stronger on, obviously, maybe like an 85. Okay. And then, 85. um, season six or season three, <laughs> um, I feel m- much more stronger about, like really? I said, all like every character in this season does get its like nice shining moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it, it feels nicer when like everyone's like circle is completed and now they're on to like, Oh, starting a new circle per se, like it, as far as like character growth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely am like around at 86, 87. So you're saying it's worth sticking, sticking with them. Yeah. It's definitely a, a, a nice crawl upwards of, of content Interesting. quality. Interesting. All right, Jared. I, I'll, like I said, I'll give it. I'm, maybe after DRS going review, I might give it two episodes. But if it doesn't hook in those two episodes, I just yeah, I got to chalk it up to that for me. All right, folks at home. Uh, next segment. Uh, if you haven't listened to the past two episodes, uh, first of all, what are you doing? Well, this is this is the POV first time listening. Oh, POV first time listening. Um, hey, thank you so much for listening to the show, man. <laughs> I I really appreciate you uh, taking a little chance on this indie podcast of how to waste your time. Um. If you haven't listened to the last two episodes because you're new, I get it. Like, why go back and listen to any other episodes? It's the best one we've ever made. Um, so we've been doing something called How to Waste Your Carbonation, uh, a soda review show. Um, it it could have legs to stand on its own. Um, it, I would love a, if we ever get an email and someone gives us five different drinks, then we'll record a separate episode. Ooh. Just How to Waste bonus? Your Carbonation. Bonus? Content, Whoa, dude. that's oh. bonus content. I like that. Um, and so it's a, it's a soda review show. Um, typically it, it, well, it started with the Jones Tyson soda. Um, and that was just more like me, like, Hey, let's waste $40. Let's piss <laughs> that down the drain. That was how to waste your money for sure. Yeah. And then the next episode, uh, we did the, uh, Coca-Cola, uh, was it the campfire one? Yeah. The starlight. Starlight. Yeah. 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 And that one's like a whimsical taste. Now we're back again with Coke. Starlight's a character in, uh. This segment, Starlight's a character in my boys. I just yeah, wanted, I, heard, I, just I heard wanted that. to link that I heard in that. my brain. Yeah. yeah, okay. It was a, it was an intrusive thought. And I was just like, I had to say it. Right, you couldn't keep it in. Yeah. Gonna ruin my riffing. Uh, so we have the artist Marshmallows Limited Edition Coca Cola. Um, this is a custom creation. It says it's, um, ironically not marshmallow flavored. Um, it's watermelon strawberry flavored. Uh, my boy Brian Keese of, of Draft Punk's alumni friend of the show, uh, he is a, a fan of this one. He says this is the best one. He likes to try the weird cokes, um, known Starlight um, apparel wearer. He has some Starlight merch. Some, he has some Coca Cola Starlight. He has, he has Coke merch. Um, I like. Co- I'm a fan of Coke merch. Yeah, I don't think he, I think he's anti Pepsi. It's you know how it is. Oh, it's, and you know how it is. It's conservative, liberal, <laughs> Coke Pepsi. Coke Pepsi. Yeah. Do um, Sprite, you know, all of the above. Um, Dr. Pepper, Mr. Pibb. <laughs> yeah. Twizzlers, Red Vine. Adidas, Nike. I don't know if I feel strongly out of all of those than Twizzlers and Red Vine. Polygamy, polygamy monogamy. Are they against each other? I don't think they care <laughs> about each other. All right, so we're going to crack it open. Uh, Deer is going to give us the, the crack uh, crack notice right into the mic. Uh, you got to listen to it. You got to hear a good crack. You can't have a carbonation show without a good crack. Oh. That was crazy, dog. That one went all the way in the red. All right. So, Dior's going to start us off. I'm going to vamp while he takes his first sip, and then I'll crack my bad boy open. Uh, Dior, take your initial sip. And what do you think of marshmallow Coca Cola? Okay. Um, 
I hate I hate this. Um, Whoa. I'm just kidding. No, the reason I hate it is because this is a flavor I've had before of soda. And I just, I immediately recognize it, but I can't pinpoint it. I, I recognize this combination of flavors. It is kind of akin to a um, cherry Coke. It definitely has that hint of cherry. Oh, it's interesting. That is kind of bizarre. So the it's listed as watermelon strawberry flavored Coke and other natural flavors. Yeah, I would say it's much, the strawberry is like much closer to like a cherry Coke. Um, but it's not bad. I I think it's, it's a 12 ounce can with um, 39 grams of added sugar. So it's very sweet. Um, I don't know how much is normal Coca-Cola. Um, but uh, it's not bad. I'm I'm not going to finish it. Mostly because I feel like I get kind of belchy when I finish the soda I, on the show. I feel immediately sort of bloated. Yeah. Uh, but but what would this pair good with? Like, w- where would you want to like partake of the marshmallow Coca Cola limited edition? Um. Well, I'm th- in my brain, I'm thinking I've just been mixing tequila with mm. all of my berry flavored things. And you know, this would like a coke and coke and rum. I would do this as a coke and rum for sure, but maybe like a white rum, uh, a blanco, if you if you if you may uh, insist. So please, I've never had uh, rum before, but that's like kind of what I'm envisioning what you want because because I even think of like a uh, Roy Rogers, um, mm. and I think this might be good as with like a Roy Rogers where that's like the grenadine and coke. Yeah, I'm definitely thinking a pool. It's Ooh, it's, okay. it's it's pooly for sure. Are you thinking billiards? Or are you thinking like swimming pool? The swimming pool. Swimming okay, pool. I was thinking I'm billiards. Swimming pool. Um, but yeah, even even if I did do like a. A spiced rum would probably be good because it is so sweet. You need some of that. Uh, you need some of that. Uh, tanginess to kick, mm. it, kick it down a little. Fireball bit. whiskey. Fireball is just an abomination of a liquid. <laughs> just there's no reason to drink it ever. Yeah, I've heard that. Um, eighty three out of a hundred. Oh, I like this. I would buy it. I would buy it. And I think Brian gave it a similar rating around that eighty three zone. Um. I'm, I'm, I say it's very good. I think it's, I think at best it's, it's as good as the, the Jones Tyson soda, which I think my favorite flavor, I gave like a 78. So I think it's very good. Um, it doesn't quite break the greatness threshold for me, mostly because I'm, I'm not, I'm not a big cola guy. I guess the only cola I really like, if you call root beer cola, I like root beer and it's Dr. Pepper cola. The only time I'm drinking cola is because I'm also drinking alcohol. So mm. If I, if I drink like a, a, what would you call like a a pop a uh, a light colored soda? See, that's why I don't like. That's why I don't like drinking on the show. That's why how do I carbonation hasn't really uh, picked up legs yet. Um. Yeah, I'll drink like maybe Sprite or like Sierra Mist by itself with a meal. Mm. But as far as like cola goes, cola is for. It's for uh, booze. Cola is for you know letting loose, cruising know? and boozing, loosening the screws, liquor and kicker. If you say so. Um, alcohol and... Liquor and pa- kicker, I barely matter. Palcohol. That's, that's what I call my my drink, my beverage choice, my palcohol. All right, brother, let's get into the show, no? Eh? Eh? All right, so uh, my film of choice was not my choice at all. It was actually the choice, as I promised, um... His name came back. Jared McBride of uh, Portland, Oregon legend, 
now moved to Utah. Uh, he recommended me a movie that I, I was skeptical about, um, that I put off, that I've heard good things about, but didn't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole. Uh, the name of that movie is Portrait of a Woman on Fire. What do you, what do you know about this one, D.I.? Um, absolutely nothing. Really? I, I, is it A24? I don't think so. It's, it's a French like art film. And I knew that going into it. I knew it was like a, like a female French art film. And I was like, Ooh, this is gonna be super pretentious. Like, ugh. subtitles, <laughs> two and a half hours, <laughs> three hours long. <laughs> um, no, but actually, uh, I was buying some criterion movies over at, uh, Bed Bath and Beyond, Bath and Body Works, uh, Barnes and Nobles. Yeah, so, I was like, neither of those places <laughs> sell movies. Uh, Barnes and Nobles because they have the July's their fifty percent off month, and so I, I bought two like one that one movie that I've been on my watch list, one movie that I'm like, oh, I've never even heard of it. I need, I need to get this, and then I saw Portrait of Lady on Fire, and I'm like, oh, I know I got to watch this. And I'm like, but what if it's not good? And I was like, oh, I'll just give it to Jared if it's not good because clearly he likes the movie. So I, I I pop it in, and there's something about like a Criterion experience. I don't know. There's like. I guess maybe because I'm so used to like my internet being bad. So most movies I watch have like buffering and it's like the the quality kind of jumps up and down. Yeah. I think that, I think specifically it's a place where they like uh, care a lot about the quality. Yeah. So they'll like, when you get that disc, that criterion disc. Yeah. It hits hard. It hits hard. Yeah. Watching it on my 80 inch uh, TV, humble brag. Um, my 80 incher. And, uh, and just having that consistency, I'm like, wow. I mean, already it's a gorgeous movie. I'm like, but this just like heightens the experience. This is the first movie you watched on that sound system. Ooh. Uh, you've had to, you have to watch something else. I watched a couple ones, but I do, I did also did get a, that, that new sound system. I think I talked about it last episode, but I got the, the subwoofer that adds some extra boom, bumps. Um, not really like a big boom, bumpy movie. Um, I actually did watch the interview with the director afterwards and she said she chose not to include, um, any music that wasn't heard by the uh, actors in the film because they wanted it to be that kind of piece, which mm. was interesting choice. Um, all right, bottom line, this is a about a painter who goes to paint uh, a girl um, at some remote place, like an island in France, and that painting is going to be sold to a man. If and if he likes it, he's going to marry the woman. So her painting is sealing her fate. So there's some symbol some symbolism behind this this paint because she at first has to hide that she's a painter because she wouldn't sit still for the last painter and so that person left and so there's some intricacies to like oh i just have to act like i'm your friend but really i'm trying to capture all the essences of you i'm trying to imagine what you look like and remember it so i can paint you on my own time because you're not going to model for me so that leads to like some uh the female gaze as the director puts it and uh, at first, it's a little slow, and I was like, in my head, I'm like, yep, not for me. I'm like, oh, I'm like, okay, I see the 4.2 average rating on Letterbox or Whoa. whatever. Yeah, yeah, no, it's very quickly claimed. Everyone loves it. It's like 97 Rotten Tomatoes, like really quickly. I'm like, all right, I see this, I see this, and it's just not for me. Like, I, I get that there's some kind of romance that's gonna conspire, but this is just dragging. Then. They kind of flip the lid on you a little bit. Um, they once they do kind of the reveal of, of feelings, it, it 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 captured something that I brought up at last episode. My love for star-crossed lovers. There's something really really special to me about star-crossed lovers because it's it's I it's infinitely in my head I live in the what if 
And that's what star-crossed lovers are. They're like the what if this is possible, even though it's not. And so this uh, female painter and this uh, young woman who ought to be wed by somebody she doesn't want to marry, um, they have a short amount of time together because it's a deadline. Um, but the uh, young woman who doesn't want to be married, uh, her mother leaves for like a week. And it's during that time that this movie just goes crazy. This movie freaking balls to the walls. This like love story romance really develops over that like one week period. And they have basically it's just th- it's those two and they have like a housemaid. And it's kind of their stories of like just like tales of life and of like experiencing each other. And I wrote about this in my letterbox review, but basically it reminds me of uh, my time at scout camps where like either I would have like a friendship that I made over the course of a week that where you, that has an inevitable ending that has an inevitable ending. But, but by the end of that week, you've, you've spent so much time with this person because it's a day after day, hours after hours, nonstop consecutively that you really feel like you're, you've made a genuine friendship and like you really care about this person. Like you've, you've really enjoyed time with them, even though, you know, I may never see you again. Shout out to my camp boys. And that I also had that like romantically at, at some other um, type like getaway type events where like I was with a, a, a female and I was like really didn't know her very well. Um, but because we're seeing each other day after day, we're in the same group, we're doing mm. the same activities. We did tandem bike riding together. You know what I mean? We just these things that draw us closer. It was never like blossom into what, how grandiose and romance this one is. This one's like, true love you know but but it's hitting those chords it's hitting yes those feelings yes 100 percent. where i was like damn man and and you know you'd leave those those events and be like you know what if what if i was near you or what if um things were a little bit different than maybe our relationship would end up differently maybe if i didn't grow up on the south side <laughs> if, yeah yeah if i wasn't a, a, a shark um <laughs> so that's that was like the part that really worked for me um and there the the ending of this film is beautiful they absolutely nail the ending like 100 percent. the the final frame the, the director said that that's what she kind of started with she's like i knew how this movie was gonna end before i knew anything else about it and it shows because that is one of the most perfect endings of any like movie i've ever seen it was so powerful like i had like Tears very slowly rolling down my face. Um, and I just felt the power of the scene. And it's, and it's long. It's a long shot. It's a long shot of emotion. And it means nothing if, there was, if that week, if that experience, if that like, relationship had never happened. And so it's like powerful to know you as an audience know something that, that, that the whole world didn't. You know, that you feel like you're in on something. And that's what makes this movie really, really beautiful. And I, Heavily recommend it to uh, anyone who is in the mood for like a a good romance. It's it's solid. I'm I'm giving it the 81 out of 100. I think it's a great movie. I'll have to find this one. Throw it up. Throw it up for the the GF. Yeah, I mean, 100. I, I don't know. It might be a little slow for her. <laughs> but <laughs> but I'll I'll give you the criterion to borrow. Uh man. <clears throat> so it's not bad. It's not bad. Um. My movie of the month is Stay, recommended uh, to us, to me, by Chris Logan. Of Best of the Rest fame. Thank you, Chris. Thank you very much. Um, and in Best of the Rest fashion, I don't want to uh, uh, gripe on anything overly negative about the show. I'll give you one for comedy's sake. <laughs> um, 
oh what's the actor um god i can't from obi-wan kenobi ewan mcgregor yeah ewan mcgregor just had a little brain fart he's he's wearing suits in this movie and no socks Ooh. no socks leather shoes the entire movie and it, every time i saw it i was like why'd you even put the suit on other than that great film <laughs> 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 so uh stay it, it follows um ewan as a uh I, I would i would guess he's a studying um therapist or counselor or maybe just a, a therapist that works for a university um but he takes on this new student or new patient rather um and i uh uh ryan gosling um mm, in, my in, boy in his absolute most brooding, depressed, sad boy uh, role of the lifetime. Wow. He plays um, a Robert Pattinson? Yeah. I mean, even further than that. Like, wow. straight up, like, could it clinically, like, needs some help. Um, might get locked up because he, uh, early in the film, um, I, there's some many things that I want to keep for the quality of the film uh, as a spoiler. Mm-hmm. But early mm-hmm. in the film, it's... Uh, uh, found out that he um he has already set a date to kill himself okay basically. classic classic he's got an expiration date yeah exactly so you know uh just super cute walking through the rain ready to kill himself classic like, the most uh, the the most you can get uh out of a uh the most handsome you can get out of a, a, a literal just walking nightmare of a human being mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but in that uh ewan mcgregor being his now therapist counselor um, basically just try to, to go through his life and walk through, um, Gosling's footsteps of how, like how he got to this point, what's wrong with him? How do I help this person? And, uh, through all that, you find out, you know, so many different things and it, it kind of turns into a nonlinear, uh, timeline. Okay. Think of your like memento or anything of, of sorts like that. Cause, um, you're basically seeing, um, Ryan Gosling's memories or you know flashbacks of what um had caused him to uh, uh feel this way um and it, it has a lot to do with just mental health uh overall and um it's very interesting how uh uh visually the uh the story is told um through like just crazy wipes and transitions and all the camera work that's used like hmm. a lot of um Anytime that you and McGregor is feeling something that like isn't normal, like they, they put a Dutch angle on it and it's like, cool. it's so strong, like, w- like visually when it's like, Oh, he's not feeling right in this situation. So they, they tilt the camera so hard. Like I'm, I swear it was nearly like 45 degrees in some scenes. And it was like, at first, like just me being like a, a film person, like I can recognize it right away. And I don't know if that like takes my head out of it or puts me deeper into it in some scenes. Right, but it's a like, greater appreciation. Yeah, when uh, look watching the movie through my girlfriend's eyes, she was like, "Why are they doing this? Why are they doing that?" And it was like nice to like, "Hey, if you're seeing this, then like you should feel uneasy. That right. feeling you have that like he's uneasy, you should be feeling that as well." So like visually, this movie was super incredible, and the effects and transitions that they have, they have used were like just super great. Even for like a, like this is a drama film, you know what I mean? It's not exactly your uh, explosion action, like, but they still make great use of camera techniques and visual effects. That's cool. Um, other than that, just to uh, keep it 
uh, nice and tight. We're going to give this an 80. Um, yeah, I, like I said, I didn't want to gripe on anything too bad. That, that's just a, I don't feel incredibly strong about it. These are yeah. these are actors that are kind of like young in their career. So like right. some things come off maybe not as, as well as they would have been in like later in their career. Obviously, these people have like grown a very great career in themselves. Um, and so in the, the uh, best of the rest fashion, uh, they give out the Mark Strong Award um, uh, during every movie. Uh, which is the actor or actress that you feel like um, just has a solid performance. You know, Mark Strong is just a really solid actor. Every movie he's in, he just comes out and he shines. He doesn't necessarily steal the spotlight. Um, and who would you give your Mark Strong award to? Um, just so I can stay away from the two main characters, Ewan and Ryan Gosling, I'm going to give it to Naomi Watts. Mm. Um, she plays uh, the love interest of Ewan McGregor. Um, she uh, is an artist that he has also helped uh, through her um, mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so other than that, she's like, um, she ends up being this very strong character for both Ewan and Ryan Gosling. And it was just like super consistent from start to finish. Brady 80. Television, smell vision That's what I say. Television, streamer vision. I don't remember the last time I watched a show on television. Oof, that's a that's a good point. I, I, I I'll pass on those ads. Am I right, brother? Um. So in the TV world, in the TV landscape, in the TV, uh, in the boob tube, as it's called, uh, I was recommended uh, one Severance by Bob Buell, host of Ninety Nine Questions with Bob Buell. Um. I, I also appreciate Bob uh, for pushing me in this direction because Severance has been on my watch list all year. It's been a big hyped up show. Um, I like um, Adam Scott, um, and I, I'm like, okay, I need I need to sit down and watch this. Just never got around to it. So this this push was was very thankful. Uh, for those of you who haven't watched Severance or heard anything about it, the long short of it is that there is a uh, workforce that severs your brain meaning when you go to work your brain shuts off um and you have a alternate personality you have a you you have something else that works for those eight hours and then when you leave work your brain turns back on so you don't know what you did at work uh because you are severed it's just you are a severed person everyone has their own reasons for why they're severed but mostly they chose to do it and they like doing it um probably pays it sounds like it pays good Probably. Yeah. It's like people who like work in Alaska. You're like, right, you're, yeah. you're like, you kind of question why they do it, but you're yeah. like, like, why are you want to just ship for three months? And he's like, I just made two years worth of rent on that ship yeah. for three months. And you're like, oh, that makes, that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, maybe, and sometimes maybe not knowing what you're doing at work is better than like the oh, mundane sure. of like whatever. Yeah. If I had, if I were processing fish in a factory in Alaska, I would definitely want my brain a little uh, checked out. Yeah, and then you don't even have to like think about work. You just have to worry about your own life. So I mean, we're all talking about the the highlights here, but um, basically, there's people who are against being severed. Like that's kind of like a controversial thing in the government. Gets gets into the uh, code of ethics, right? Right. Um, but the reason why the show works is because I would describe the genre as workplace thriller. It is part mysterious you know what are they doing at work uh how does everyone feel about working it's part um 
why are they severed? What is what is what is their life like outside of work? Because that's the thing about when you're when you're severed, you don't know what your they call it their Audi. You don't know what your Audi is like. You don't know if you have any children. You don't know if where you live. You don't know what the outside world's like. All you know is that single level because you're only severed for that one level that you're at work. Because you're not severed when you walk in. It's once you go down to that level uh, in the elevator. That's when you become severed. So all you know is the elevator. You know your floor, and that's it. So there's a lot of wonder for this. I, the I, I imagine this is like a lot of fun for the the actors, right? Because like you end up playing like two different characters right. and like relating them together, and just the in the head of like a character thinking about another character that is themselves is is very interesting to to probably play and act in. Yeah, it definitely reminded me a lot of uh, Moon Knight that I reviewed earlier in the year where Oscar mm. Isaac plays two different characters. Those two characters interact with each other. Um, I will not spoil anything about Severance, but it's it just interesting to see that, um, especially with an Adam Scott, because Adam Scott's from Parks and Rec. I see him as a comedy actor, and so it almost felt like watching Barry for the first time where I finally saw Bill Hader as a drama actor. I kind of took him seriously, and I view, just viewed him in a different light, and Adam Scott really nails it he plays a very different character than he does in parks and rec and just i was mouth agape at how great this was um i w- what really works for me i think is the tone it's very atmospheric it's very uh the workplace is 70s like they don't have it doesn't feel like they have the internet it doesn't feel like they have modern technology they live in like a 70s workplace in modern day they abuse all the women there too. <laughs> I mean, the, the, I mean, the way that they make the women dress feels even like the sex. <laughs> like it's, it is bizarre, and in the best way. It like just that's what I love about like, television when you can go bonkers and like just go crazy mode, and just avert expectations, uh, leave you wanting more. My wife was hooked. She gave, she mm. ended up giving this show a ninety five out of hundred. She thought when she realized that it was the last episode, she was pissed. Um, and she wanted more of the show and I, and I don't blame her. I agree. I think it's an absolute masterpiece. Um, I'm going to end up giving it a 92 out of a hundred, my highest, uh, rating of, of the show spoilers. Um, Dang. and it, and it was, it's, it's probably gonna be my TV show of the year cause it just was so captivating, so fun, so funny. It's kind of dark comedy in, in ways. Um, it's supposed to be like unsettling and it kind of is unsettling. Um, and uh, there's a character named Mr. Milchek. And they, they have so much mileage for him. He's one of the workers there that's not severed. He's like their boss. And they get so much emotion out of this guy. He's kind of like a little HR. So he kind of works with the people a little bit. But then he also works with the bosses. And he's also like, you are trying to understand his motive the entire time. And he just continually... So Mr. Milchek absolutely killed it for me. And I, uh, I really enjoyed it. Highly recommend it. The the biggest downfall of the show, it's on Apple Plus. I was about to say, now I gotta buy Apple P. Well, uh, here's the thing. I ended up getting I got three months free for um I think all PS five users get three months free if mm. you have that. And then I got six months free for uh getting a new iPad. So if you get a new Apple product, they're just giving away Apple Plus trials for free. So as long as I cancel within the next nine months, I should be good. Well, I gotta, I gotta check in on my iPad. Yes, yes. Like look, look around, see where you can freaking dot Scrum the eye around. Um, for sure. Thanks, sounds, Bob. Sounds pretty great. Thanks, Bobby. Good looking out. 
Um, what what were you forced to watch this month? Um, my television show of the year uh, will be uh, Survivor Season 7. Um, brought in to us by Chris Bambino. Babino. Babino. Of Hello Hyrule Podcast fame. Thank you, Chris. Um, I don't know. I Obviously, I've never spoke about it, but Survivor is probably just one of the greatest TV shows on television. Incredible. Um, I, I think 90% of the people you talk to will agree. I, I'm glad you got this one. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, in, in that, um, I've seen a lot of Survivor. I have not seen season seven. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but there is a few reoccurring characters uh, that this was their debut season. Okay. So, um, you've seen like, um, like a cast wars, uh, come back to the island. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I've seen a few people, uh, specifically, I believe his name is Herbert. Is that, is that, is that right? Herbert, the, and I'm not going to say it, the friend, the pal, the guy that you just want to have on your team because he's such a good man. Rupert. Ooh, okay. That's a, we're, that's we're a very the, different. We're, we're on the wrong. They're both Burt's. Very different man. Both Burt's. Um, my apologies. He was voted um, one of the best um, Survivor cast members ever. Um, he's never won a season, but he has won a million dollars through uh, fan choice. Wow. So seeing him in his, his opening debut was um, I was pretty sick. He's, he's He is like one of the... Uh, the reason he hasn't won a season is probably because he's like one of the most like upfront people mm. in Survivor. Blunt. Yeah. Well, it's just more of like uh, I'm g- I'm gonna take my this is my three people in my alliance and we're gonna you know we're gonna Ooh. go to the end. You know right. I mean? Ride or die. Right. And like never never really backstabbing anyone or really uh, trying to cross anyone. Right. There's no um. There's no mischief. It's yeah, there's there's no mischief. Mainly because he's like such a strong island person. Like, Ooh. like yes, he's he's like a big, huge dude. Um, and he like just dunks on challenges because he's so big and mm. he like can swim well. So you'd say he's an island boy. But yeah, as far as back at camp, like he's like in this season at least he's like the one person that can fish with a spear. So like everyone's just eating good because he's there. You know what I mean? Ooh. So like he ends up uh putting himself in these in the, the leader role because like, oh, what are you guys gonna do without me freaking starve? Gonna eat rice? Yeah. Um but the, like like I said, the downfall is being in that leader position, it's like as soon as, you know, your camp starts to dwindle down, they're like, uh, yeah, I could go hungry for two weeks and then uh probably win this, we'll probably win a million dollars, get this guy out of here. Um, because you realize that the very end, you know, everyone's going to vote for Rupert. He's been the nicest, most, uh, you know, 100% straightforward guy the entire time. So you get rid of him. Um, unfortunately for, uh, uh, spoiling a season of TV that aired in 2003, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, Rupert does not win this season, but as you've already spoiled at the beginning of the show, um, beginning of the segment. Yeah, if you haven't seen this from 2003, I, I recommend still watching it because okay. it, it, it is one of the better seasons. Um, the challenges were very interesting in this season, especially opening up. Um, uh, they get thrown off a boat like immediately on their... The, I think this is one of the most like brutal seasons 
because they throw it like people are wearing suits and dresses and they're like okay go ahead and go survive oh wow and uh, like how brutal that is they get thrown to this little panamanian um fishing town where they they end up like selling their shoes and clothes off their back just to get some supplies for camp um rupert just stealing stuff from the other tribe like immediately episode one Mm, a little bit Um, of mischief a little bit of mischief, but he just hates the other tribe. You know what I mean? Uh, he just wants to dunk on those what, idiots. What what tribe was that? What, what are the two different tribes? Dude, they're freaking... What is it? One is... uh, What's the rum? Captain... Uh, Morgan? Yeah, one's Morgan. The other one's uh, another... Ca- like, sea captain. I think it's like... Uh, Nemo or something. Some, some Something like garbage that's like a pirate captain. Mm. Um, No goofy names, you know? Yeah, I would have liked... I would have liked some colors. I like. I would have liked down with red team. Yeah, some some garbage like that. You know, there's always the. Uh, it's funny seeing the uh, the dichotomy between two uh, garbage um, survival teams. But other than that, like this season is a straight up ninety. Okay. Um, Masterpiece. People who I guess I didn't want to see win get dunked on. Um, people who I was like okay with seeing win, they get they get you know pushed pretty far. Um, there's a lot of triumphs, there's a lot of failures. Um, and also like, it seemed like this survivor season, like they were very rough. They were, they were very tough on the camp life. So people, people lose some weight. People, uh, go pretty crazy on that, on that beach. They go stupid. All right. We're talking about. S-P-O-R-T-S Sports. Um, I, my recommendation came from Ryan Stabell um, of the Spelunkers Gaming Podcast fame. Uh, also known to have the Gotta Rank Em All podcast. That's kind of his baby. Um, he recommended me uh, Nitro Rallycross. Um, this is, uh, speaking of babies, this is Travis Pastrana's baby. Uh, I believe because he's that of that Nitro Circus fame, and it's this is his own racing league. Yeah, and it's I think it's 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 relatively new sport. Um, I think it's exists in Europe to an extent. You know, I mean, rallycross always exists, but it's the way that he organizes it that that's new. Um, he had me watch I think the first ever race, which was in 2018, and the course is all like dirt and mud. It's all custom made. And it just didn't seem like it was wide enough. And so, like, first turn, you like, three cars are, like, DNF. Like, do, do not finish because they just collide into each other. Um, they, they, all of the racers have a lot of respect for each other. Like, my only real, like, racing knowledge has grown through F1. So, I'm, like, kind of comparing in my head to F1 the whole time. Um, because there is a lot of bumping that goes on. Because it's, you're in, like, little rally cars, you know? You're not in, like... They're, they're pretty durable, like Subarus. Somebody has a freaking Mini Coupe. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The, someone has like a, a VW Beetle that you turn, like converted into like a rally car. Very cool. Um, so I like the cars. I like learning about the drivers, you know, from, from all over the world. Um, there's two brothers, Ericsons. Um, I, I do really like that they have to implement something. This is a shorter race. It takes about 15 minutes. Um, it's usually just about six laps. Uh, but they implement something really cool. It's a cool feature. It's called the Joker lap, Joker route. So basically, are you familiar with this concept? Yeah. Uh, so basically what it is, is 
you have to take this inconvenient, like out of your way turn that slows you down at least once in a race or else you, you know, basically can't win. So everybody has to take it. So do you take this inconvenient, like at the start and then play catch up the rest of the race? Or do you take it the last lap after you have a lead and then risk someone else passing while you're taking the, the, the Joker route, Joker lap? Um, and so that kind of like, that's the most interesting thing about this is because it's that choice. And you can even hear in the commentators like, oh, he's, he's got a Joker here. He's got a Joker. Oh, he did not Joker. He has the Joker on the last lap. There's only two seconds between them. We learned that it's a 3.1 second deficit from taking the Joker. What is he going to do? And so... Yeah, it's similar. Relating that to F1 is like, oh, did you take, like, what tires did pit. you take here? Yeah. You know, did you pit here? Yeah. Like, the, the the same sort of thing. It's like, you, do you want to save or you could be slower? It's, all, it's, it's risk. Yeah. yeah, it's all risk reward, which is kind of ingenious when you think of, like, rally cross right. in general. Because, like, rally cross, like, just watching UK versions, it's like, oh, they're they're going around the loop again. This guy's been in the lead for freaking 20 minutes. Right. Like, how fun. And and that's what's nice about it because the races are super close. Um, and then he also sent me uh, one of Travis Pastrana's babies. Is um, It's like a battle. It's a head-to-head battle. And it's like a shorter race. It's only like three laps. That was probably the best part I've, I've seen. I watched like an hour straight of that. Of just, it's like tournament style brackets where like racers would face that's pretty, off. That's pretty badass. And, and who, who won that, that sets up your position for like the, like the big eight-man race. And so, but what a a great way to like change up how boring heats are, and right? Qualifications, right? No, it's super interesting, really, really unique take. And like for the most part, it, each race was super engaging. There, there was a certain race that it was like, it was barely, barely enough time. He, one guy jokered early, the other guy has to joke around his last lap. It was like three point one second, and there was a three point two second space between the two of them. And so, like. As he coming out from the Joker, it was like head to head, like to a finish, like photo finish. As you're watching it, and it's and that's, those those battles are quick. Those battles are only a few minutes because it's only three laps. And it's a smaller uh, course, and like that was like probably the most engaging I had with uh, Nitro Rallycross. Um, and I, I think it's I think it's great. It's still in its um, inf- infidelity, infancy, infancy, <laughs> not infidelity. Still in its infancy. Um, it's, it's trying to pick up legs and, uh, it's learning. I mean, they definitely, they referenced the, uh, the Utah race in 2018. Um, but I, I'm looking forward to watching more. I think, uh, I watched the 2021, um, race and that happened around the end of the year. So they should have another one this year and I'll definitely be watching it. So I, um, appreciate Ryan for, uh, putting that on my radar because it's, it's very cool. I like really cross. I like Subaru. Um, one day I hope to uh, own, um, one of those expensive ass rally cross cars and just have fun drifting with it. Cause that looks like a blast. Like they really look like they're having a good time. Like more so than formula one drivers, like formula one drivers don't look to drive like that. But I think rally cross drivers are like, Oh, this is like, this is like a hobby. Well, yeah. I mean, just the, the difference between dirt and street, it's like in a dirt corner, like you want like as much speed as possible. And then you slide through it and counter steer. Whereas like, in Formula One, you're like you're gonna break and destroy your tires as much as you can, so you can come out of the corner with the most amount of speed, not going into the corner with the most amount of speed. But makes makes for an exciting uh, little drift around the track. Yeah, um, here's some uh, recommendations I have for uh, Natural Rally Cross to make it better. I, my rating's gonna be an 80 out of 100. I think it's great. Um, it just barely passes that greatest threshold, but I think it can be improved by let's get some POV. 
uh, let's get some POV of the drivers. Get some like uh, dash cams um, because there's some crazy moments that I want to see from the inside. And basically, they only have like drone shots for most of the, mm-hmm. of the race. Uh, and then let's get some water. Let's add some like mud puddles. Uh, they really didn't have much water unless it was raining. Um, some but, lows, some track lows. Right. And, and then they, they changed up the course a little bit in, in last year's race, which was nice. Uh, they added like an alternate path that you could take. And it's like eventually people just kept taking the inside because they learned that that was going to be a, a quicker quicker and easier to drift into. Um, and, and so I didn't get a lot of options. But they do have a lot of jumps, which I think is great. There's a lot of jumps. And, and, and like seeing when people take the jumps and when people didn't, um, I think that was a really interesting concept. I think just more variety. Uh, in the course, uh, just make it more interesting as a spectator. Nice, dude. All right, what what did uh, what did this uh, Joe uh, Schmo uh, make you watch this time? Huh? Um, we got uh, competitive. I don't know how you would say it, international competitive climbing. Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm, I'm not sure if they have another name for it. Cause like uh, ICC. ICC. Yeah. <laughs> We'll, we'll go with the uh, the incredible ICC. Um, this is a suggestion from Michael Moran, uh, the host of the List Wars podcast, also known devout climber and really just spider monkey in general. Just, just, just overall spider monkey. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, there's a lot I can say about climbing. Not going to do it here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so I watched I watched a few matches. It's it's. It's such an interesting sport. Um, the best way I can relate it um, is baseball, honestly. Um, hmm. Mainly because uh, everything in baseball is decided by a human umpire. Okay. Um, the way it relates to climbing is every single route taken is made by uh, the route setters, human route setters. Um, so every time uh, anyone shows up, you, you see these people go through and go through um, some people are going to handle routes better than the other people um, just based off experience or even stuff like uh, this guy who was, you know, was five, eight, you know, he's not going to climb this route. Uh, he's going to climb a route a lot worse than the guy that was six, two, hmm. you know what I mean? So that was like, that was like a huge difference for, you know, different climbers. Like maybe someone had um great leg strength but this route is very shoulder heavy and very like pinch heavy so like they didn't have their main ability you know that they would use for this route and they would fail it you know what i mean interesting. so i i i think that was probably just like the most interesting and most intriguing thing um about watching these um and as far as like uh you know you get a uh, commentary from the booth that's basically like Oh yeah, the route setters didn't think of that one, and this guy just kind of blew through this, and you know because he because of how tall he is, or because of he has this ability or that ability. Uh, are, are the commentators like golf commentators? I have a feeling they're like real respectful of like climbing, and they oh, just yeah. kind of oh, and I can't believe the way he grabs they're, that and no, just pulls himself up right over the they're top. They're pretty rowdy because oh, okay, you, you got to think that like um, how it works is. Whoever's in the last seat climbs first. Mm-hmm. Um, so you start to go down the list and you have like, you know, I think it's like eight to 10 routes in front of you on the, along the wall and they just move down the list. Okay. So like, so like he will move up the, up to the next route and then the next person will come out. So like by the mid you have, you know, all six people climbing at the same time oh, wow. and like cameras like jumping through in between all of them. And like when someone sees something amazing going on, is like it's it's pretty hype. It's okay. It's yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. crazy. That that but, does sound. Uh, I thought it was like one at a time. I didn't realize it's gonna be like um, 
simultaneous action. Yeah, exactly. Simultaneous action. It's also like the crowd is like 20 feet behind them. Like oh, there's, wow. there's the mat, there's the officials, and then there's just like an auditorium of a crowd. So it's like you, you get, you get that you're where you're where your camera POV is, is basically where you would sit in watching this live. So it's like you, you feel the heat from the crowd, you know, when somebody's like getting high or like trying a really difficult move, like it, it all ebbs and flows with the crowd cheers. And that's, that's very nice. Um, but like I said, like another time you'll get from the booth where it's like, Oh yeah, the route route setters, like said, you could use, um, this tiny little screw hold, or you can use this part of the wall and nobody, uh, none of the competitors are like figuring it out. And it's like, you see them fail over and over again. And then like maybe one person will find the little screw on the other side of this boulder and they'll be able to top it. Um, so like how heavily um everything is uh influenced by these route setters um is is probably just the most interesting part about this sport and it's not like um i'm sure there's a version where you know you are climbing a known route right um but as far as like competitive style it's like they're the competitors are blind to it every single right. time they have to be yeah otherwise they'd have a leg up on their um opponents right uh, and how do you win like how do you determine who's the winner so it it's determined by uh there's how routes are set up there's a uh how do they say it there's a there's basically a checkpoint halfway through mm-hmm. um and if you get to that checkpoint um you basically completed the route 50% and you get a point for that um and then if you top the route get to the top of it you get the second point and if you and another competitor both top the route whoever has better time okay so that's the tiebreaker yeah the speed okay cool a rating rating I'm a, we're gonna drop this in the uh big 80 category nice matching um, matching ratings yeah i'll i'll definitely watch some finals i don't know if i can sit through many climbing qualifications um they're cool um uh but i think just you saying it now like a pov shot a little gopro on the oh, nice. head yeah on their helmet that'd be pretty sick or at least a few gopros like drilled into the wall to get Oh yeah, More like this, angles, this like right. certain like you know this grip is hard, so put it right there, and then exactly. see like their faces are taking. Exactly. It. Yeah, that'd be nice. Like that would be really great. Um, as far as like any other improvements, like maybe, uh, I would I would just like to see um the route setters set things honestly. Yeah, like that'd it be would cool. be like going. They do have some interviews with the route setters, but they're always like mid competition, and they're like, oh yeah. That that one was really hard for them. Nobody made it to the top, and they're like, "Uh, yeah." I mean, it's a, it's like it, the idea is that it's one of the route setters had climbed it and made it to the top. You know what I mean? So it's like it would be very interesting to see them set up and like see that whole process. But other than that, it's a it's a de- decent sport, um, especially if they had like a competition here and it was cheap enough. I would definitely I would definitely go. I would definitely drop by. So Michael would be there as a route setter. Oh yeah, very very cool, very cool. Now here's a little story I like to tell about three bad brothers you know so well, and they're called anime. And in this time, there's only two bad brothers, <laughs> and I will talk about the first bad brother. Um, my my homeboy uh, Sean Phillips. Um, of uh, of TSA, uh, my coworker. Um, he he has. Uh, we have a lot of anime conversations, 
We go back and forth. I think our taste in anime is a little bit different. He's a big Gundam fan, loves all the Gundam series. Um, uh, I might, I, I will be having him on uh, for Medium of the Month. And he, uh, spoilers for anyone who's going to listen to that episode, he has me watching Initial D. So he has a little bit of a older taste in anime. Oof. Initial uh, D is a fire classic, dude. Yeah, I, I, think I'll, I think I'll like it, especially now that I'm getting more into driving to surviving. Um, however, this one is a, a more modern, more modern anime of the past uh, seven years or so. I think it aired in 2015, 2014. And this is Ass Assassination Classroom. Um, for anyone who, run that by me again. Assassination Classroom. I just, just, just wondering. Ass <laughs> Ass Class, as some people call it. I, I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. And in Ass Ass Class, we have a classroom. Right, think think middle school about to graduate into high school, a classroom of students that are shunned off campus. They're known as the E class or the end class uh, because their grades are bad or because they're like they're academically just poor. So they have their own building because they're they're basically outcasts. Uh, the reason why the principal justifies this is because uh, it has to. It's like a prestigious school, so you have to like have the prestigious people have something to like fear. Like, hey, if you do bad, you're going to send to end class. Mm. Um, but they get laughed at, mocked at, whatever. So what ends up happening is that this in class gets a new teacher and their teacher, eventually they name him Koro Sensei, um, which their teacher is not a human. He's a big yellow octopus alien. Um, the catch is that he told the Japan government, uh, Hey, um, You've got, I've got one year to teach this class how to assassinate me, but if you do not, if I don't succeed or if you don't let me, basically I'm going to destroy the earth in one year's time. So he's teaching them all these different routes of assassination, as well as he's also their um, teacher for math and English and social studies and all that kind of stuff. Um, this alien is extremely fast. He, they keep on talking about like Mach, Mach 2 speed, Mach 3 speed. Basically he, he flies at like a... He he can move at like f- like f- fighter jet speed, but like simultaneously he can he can do that. So he he can kind of make clones of himself by moving so fast. So he'll like teach each individual student, like keep on like running through them. Mm. It's it's interesting because this octopus is uh very helpful. He also has weaknesses, um that the main character highlights in like a notebook, like certain things like he. He's about to water. He, his tentacles absorb the water, and he gets his movement gets slowed down. Um, he also like he's got like his once a month or once a week fell safe where he can shed his skin. Uh, but however, bullets don't work on him. He just has like he has these anti. He calls them anti me bullets. They're like basically pink BBs, and then he's got anti me knife. So it's like it's this technology that like causes his tentacles to explode, and it does work. It actually like pops off his tentacles. Um. B- the show is very interesting because the it's a juxtaposition between if we assassinate our teacher, we will receive 10 billion yen uh, split amongst the class. So we're set for life. Uh, but also we want to have a normal school life and get good grades. So it's not 100% they're all focused on assassinating him every chance they get because they do a lot of assassination attempts, but he's very fast and, but he, he's always very helpful. So it's, it's, it's not a, he, he's a very, he's a teacher that's actually trying to be a really good teacher. And ultimately he is a very good teacher. He, he really tries to uh, work with the students and like 
in their areas of weakness, like figure out the reasons why they're in in class and like basically encourage them to improve and like work one-on-one with them, um, give hands-on experiences. But he's always, he's always very optimistic. Tentacle, and tentacle on experiences. Tentacle. <laughs> yes. Yeah, not hands-on tentacle on. Um, the show is also in typical um, Japanese animation style. It's very horny. Um, the teacher is has a fixation with large breasts, um, and so like he's constantly shown like his his color. He's a yellow, big yellow octopus looking guy. His color turns like pink when he likes thinks about that. Or like there's one scene where they lay a trap of like porno magazines and he like gets flustered and like doesn't like pay attention to his surroundings so that's a little like eh, why why does this have to be in there like even like they bring in a assassination teacher who's like she's a professional assassin but she like uses her like good looks and like big boobs to like like lure people in and so like all of her like outfit is our super fan servicey and it just feels totally unnecessary it just reminds me of like the reason why Fire Force isn't a greater show is because of the lucky Letcher cat girl who is always losing her clothing. Like, it just it just doesn't make the show better. It actively makes it worse. Um, and and I'm not kink shaming if that's your thing. I just think there's just there's a time and a place for that. In a middle school um, class about a, a assassinating teacher, just feels off to me. Um. But overall, I think it's a very good show. Um, I think it's very safe. Um, it falls into a lot of different tropes. It has a lot of different characters that are like, oh, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the dumb character, so I'm going to betray you guys. But Oh, wait, I didn't mean it like that. I'm, you know, it's, it just has a lot of different tropes. Um, but, but, it, but it's fun. I, I, what I told Sean is that I only watched one episode and I dropped it because I was like, ah, I'm not feeling this. But I did watch the full first season. Uh, There's only two seasons in the, in the show. I am curious how this, like, the back half of the school year goes. I liked what I saw from the first half, and I think it, it it's good, very good. I'd give it a 77 out of 100, um, but I just don't know um, if I'm going to keep keep going with it. Mm. But but like I said, it's good, safe. Um, it, it can be creative at times, just, just not enough outside the box for me. Unfortunate. But thank you, Sean. I, I appreciate you looking out. Well, I'm I'm glad you started anime off great. Um, <laughs> this will uh, off the top. This might be the worst thing I've ever rated watch on no, this podcast. No, 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 no. You you gave a you gave a lower rating to uh, that show with the uh, High School Musical star uh, Efren. Oh, I think I meant to watch that because it was bad. This one I had <laughs> to watch it. <laughs> um, so this is Elfin Lead. Mm-hmm. Um. Given to us by the the great Jenny. Yep, Jenny Burleson, um, my sister in law. Um, Shout out to Jenny. Thank you for coming up clutch for us. Thank you for coming up very clutch. Um, I hope this is not an anime that you like. <laughs> I'm sure it's like her top five. <laughs> it's it's actually it's actually a very popular anime. Elfin Lead is like I know a, that a lot I, of people really like it. The uh this has two the two positives the two positives i took away from this show good i like i like positive um the intro like uh, like the first episode no like the oh like the op like the like the, the intro opening, music yes yeah. so it's like it, it's based off of this 
uh, famous or, I mean, popular German uh, artist, and they just kind of copied his work and put it into their anime. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a nice song. It has a popular, like, uh, song. It's like angels that are like, na, 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 na. If you heard it, you've heard it. Na, uh, na, na. Yeah. Um, but, uh, also the main characters are just nude in the opening. So it's like, it's a half positive. It, I mean, it has a very nineties vibe to it, you know, like ghost in the shell, like nude type, like draw uh, to it. I, w- I would say it's not even close to how good ghost in the shell is. <laughs> well, I mean like quality wise. Yeah. Um, and then after that, the, uh, second positive is this is the, um, it, this gave the plot of Stranger Things. Mm. It, it gave Stranger Things its plot. Um, of like the upside down, not the upside down, but the uh, the female. Um, oh, okay, like uh, of the eleven. Science, yeah, science experiment. Uh, Which I, God I wrote. I'm sure has happened before this. Um, I I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I'm not going to be pretty sure about anything. This <laughs> this show is so just miss. Misses the mark on everything, pretty much. Um, we'll start with the the animation itself. Is like it's it it's early two thousand, so it's got the big old bug eyes. It's got it's got the big bug eyes. Um, once again, this uh show is plagued with just middle school girls nude. Um, mm. which Always is makes yeah, everyone uncomfortable. Yeah, it's just unfortunate. It's like when she she breaks out of this uh facility. Yeah, episode um, one. Episode one. Um, I understand she's nude. She was in captivity as an experiment. Mm-hmm. Fine. She she gives the X twenty three. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, she gives she gives those vibes. Fine. But like when they get clothes on her and she's in the beach, there she's like wearing a tank top, and they're just continuing to draw her boobs like fall out of the tank top, mm. like just throughout the episode, and and, and even like in scenes where there's it's just not acknowledged. She's just nude. Like mm-hmm. it, 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 it's not even like it's uh, particularly like adding any. Like you said, it's not adding anything besides like a kind of just an annoying distraction. Yeah, Japan do be horny. Um, beyond that, the uh your your main character, your protagonist, your male protagonist, um, does nothing. Like he, uh, basically just um has a romantic relationship with. Um, this girl, this uh, experiment girl, semi-romantic. I say semi because he's also at the same time in a love triangle with his uh, direct cousin, <laughs> um, who also is like falling over in dresses, and you see her underwear, and he's like embarrassed, and there's just a a weird relationship between them going on. Um, the, uh, they profess their love for each other. Um, the way she says it is, I don't mind being your property, um, is, is how she professes her love. Um, and then they proceed to make out and kiss. Just full cousins. The, the cousin, first Just cousins. First cousins. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then it, it kind of devolves to, you know, um, a massive mm, military excursion upon this small Japanese town to hunt down um, these experiments that have escaped from the lab or have been set wild to like hunt each other. Um, as far as that, uh, I guess they're, uh, they're a separate alien race that grows horns and has telekinetic powers. Mm-hmm. So like, 
that's all they do is just they have telekinesis. So it's like when you're trying to animate this, they just have like these fake like tentacle hands that like nobody else can see flying through the air and like cutting people in half or like she's using them to like jump around and it's just goofy. But it's supposed to have like kind of like a body horror type aspect, right? In a sense. Yes. Um, there's also, her name is number seven. She's also an experiment. Mm. Um, she's even much younger than the people than your main protagonists who are like, you know, maybe fresh out of middle school going into high school. Um, she's younger than them. She's also depicted naked a lot of times and also depicted naked with her arms and legs cut off. So like now we're approaching like very weird, odd, uh, kinks, Mm. uh, like sexual deviant kinks that are like just strange overall, like way out of like my tastes of like, um, even like general anime taste. Like I can't say this is general, um, fan service. (laughs) I, I can't understand why you would like cut the arms and legs off of a small girl and then just like leave her naked on the floor or something like that. Like that, all of that is like ultra strange. And then it's also backed by like just a non story. Um, he ends up like, uh, taking in all these like lost forgotten girls into his little like harem. Uh, yeah. Into his like abandoned home that his parents gave him that like was like a shut down restaurant, I guess. And like from there, like there's no real growth. It's like the girls like lose their way or escape or run away. And then he goes out and finds them and they're fighting the military. Like that's pretty much the entire story. <laughs> um, big shout out to Lynn Okamoto, the uh, creator and writer, um, man, male creator me, and writer. Tell me what else he's got on the table. Um, better not be anything I've seen. No, no, it, it isn't. It's you've, uh, p- parallel paradise. Yeah. No, it looks like everything he does is kind of of this style. He, he, he definitely, he definitely seems like a horny old man. But it, it it's even the the thing that's like beyond this is like how is this popular? How is this like stuff that people watch? How is this? <laughs> why why is it such a revered? Um, yeah, because I've I've heard this name before. You know what I mean? Like it's not like an unpopular anime. Like a I, lot of people have watched this and have said it's good, and it's like I I don't know what it adds at all. I, I think I think it's a lot more popular amongst um uh women who were like teenagers at that time um and they watched it and it was like it was impressionist you know it was like okay this is like this girl is like a badass or they view it that way but from what you're describing it sounds like it's totally all over the place well i see i don't even that too is like so the main uh female lucy is that yeah lucy um as she's escaping she like gets shot in the head and she's wearing a helmet so it splits her personalities Oh. Um, so you have the Lucy that's like the the deranged uh, experiment assassin who just cuts people in half for fun. And then you have uh, Nian, who's a, a bona fide freaking cat girl who can't speak English. Um, like, a, like dumbed down to like a five-year-old intellect. Now, you just describe why it's so popular. A, cat girl. B, their, their horns are like cat ears. B, there's two sides to my personality, bitch. You tell me which one you want to see. So you, you, you've just described all the reasons right there. Yeah. But I mean, also probably just horny incels love this chiz. I don't yeah. know. Cause he, know. he ends up like having like, uh, just odd sexual experiences with like I, two out of the four girls that live in his house. Is this an Ichi? 
Um, Echi? Ichi? Yeah, he's, he's he, 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 I mean, he's big bro and cousin at the same time. So I figure it's something uh, along those lines, at least, at least an early, early, like iteration of it. Cause it's from the early two thousands and it's not like, it's just, I don't even know. There wasn't even a show. I ended up watching it in two times speed. Like the last, I got to episode six by regular speed. Two times. Speed. I watched two times speed. Like I'd wanted to rip through this and not watch it again. Oh. Hey man, good on you for finishing it. What, what do we, what do we got for our, our rating of Elf and Lead? It's, it's 60 out of a hundred. Hey man, that's, you're giving it the okay. Is that an okay? It's like, it's almost like it, it, I mean, 50 is average, so if you're giving above 50, it's above average. You want to you want to tweak that one a little bit based off of what you've been saying yeah. to me? Yeah, it's probably a 45 out of 100. Okay, there you go. So bad. 45 is bad. Yeah, there's no reason to watch this. Um, if you if you like like the him the main character, if you wanted to like experience his thing, like go watch Evangelion. And if you want, right. and if you want the thing from the girls, go watch Evangelion. Like that's there's powerful females. There's a sexual female, and then there's an incel boy. But it's all, like, done good. You know what I mean? So, like, go watch mm. Evangelion. Um, Jenny, if you could just write in to the show, howtowasteyear at gmail.com. Uh, just give us, a, like, a brief uh, synopsis or a run-through, maybe about what, why the show is important to you. Yeah, can uh, you give c- me a quick review of why you like it? Because yeah. then I, I, want, I want to relate to you. Right, he I wants want to understand. To, we, we're, understand. We're, we're not trying to crap on uh, your anime. Um, your your choice for, for to bring towards the the podcast, but we really do appreciate you. I I do will strongly recommend like Evangelion or like Samurai Champloo if you want like a strong female character. Yeah, I was. I mean, I even referenced Ghost in the Shell earlier. And yeah, I, Ghost in the Shell. What it, you've seen Gurren Logan, but I haven't. Yeah, Gurren Logan. I think definitely has a strong um female protagonist that like is also bombacious. You know, right? That you'd like want to <laughs> watch a show about instead of like this. It's just weird. Too weird for me, I guess. And that's okay. I'll I'll stick with a 45 out of 100. Chugging this Coca-Cola, man. It's it's hitting the right spot. In Spanish, they're called videojuegos. That's right. We're talking about video games here. Um I I got a uh, a fresh recommendation um for a game called Children of Morta which I had already had on my on my to playlist. Uh this comes from Rob Hudak of Draft Punk's fame. Big ups to Rob. Thank you for uh participating in this anniversary. Giving you the the green light to buy this game. Yeah, thank you for thank you for pushing pushing me in the right direction. Uh so Children of Morta is a rogue light uh which means you are repeating the same mission dungeon over but you're gaining usually some kind of uh, long-term effect um it takes place over with a family uh, they're called the bergsons which i thought was an interesting aspect so everything kind of comes out of your your home base is like uh, like a mansion where all the bergsons live and you uh choose what character uh, you want to go into this dungeon with and they're all part of the family related somehow and they each one of them has their own kind of style of attack and the over the top views kind of like um Di- Diablo, Torchlight, Hades. It's kind of like that eagle eye isometric type view. Top down. Y- y- not co- not completely top down. Um it's slanted, you know. Um and it's very uh, it's very it's tight pixel art. I would mm. say it's it's also not very tight pixels. It's not very detailed. 
it's the 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 characters like only a few pixels make up the characters it's it's bright it's got a lot of pixels um i i it's you know 32 bit or whatever um i don't know my 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 pixel resolution but it it does look very good i like the soundtrack i like a lot about this game um and i and i would say that i'm not the biggest roguelite fan I've only played two roguelikes that I really liked, one of them being Hades, and the other one being Moonlighter. Hades I didn't beat because it's just a lot of repetition. And a lot of people with roguelites, they beat the game, and then they keep beating it and beating it and beating it and beating it. Yes. So, like, the enticing part of a roguelike is, like, oh, I could spend hours and I'm doing the same task over and over again, and I'm doing it better, and that's giving me the dopamine hit. Right. Whereas, like, sometimes when I'm playing them, it's just like, oh, I got... Like I got through the thing, I'm done. You know what I mean? That's I think that's why we like probably like first person like story driven right. games better. Um, right. Just because like you know you'll you know progress through this and it's like oh that's all behind me now. Exactly. Now I'm finding something new and I'm going to go through that those trials. I'm gonna uh, overcome them, get that dopamine, and then now it's behind me and I continue. Right, and I would say that with roguelites, uh, they call it runs. Because each run is a little bit different. Usually you have some kind of uh, something that you gain during the run that alters your abilities. Uh, Children of Mordor absolutely has this. You have like certain kind of charms that you get, certain kind of runes. You'll run an obelisk. These are all like different kind of buffs or bonuses that make your character more powerful um, or give you different kind of effects. Um, you increase your speed, critical hit, dodge, all that kind of stuff. And I, I would say I appreciate that once you complete an area, uh, you don't have to go back to it. So if you've completed this part of the dungeon, you don't have to play it again. Whereas like Hades, you have to go through the gauntlet every single time, top to bottom to top. You can't just insert yourself in the middle. At least from my experience, you couldn't. Um, I appreciate that about Moonlighter too. Moonlighter had different realms that you went into. Um, I think I loved Moonlighter uh, because it had the aspect of the shop. That was your outside life. The outside life, outside of uh, the dungeon fighting, isn't super enticing. Like I said, it's it's just a house where you kind of like learn some story about the family and like the grandma, and then you can um, spend your like gold, your your mort for uh, like bonuses for the whole family, so you can increase your damage, increase your health. Um, there's also like a pet element that got added in where you can give like your pets that you find uh, like snacks, and they'll give you some passive bonuses. Um. And overall, it's 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 a very good game. I really like it. But man, the I've heard that the intro was was slow, bro. I'm not even kidding you. I did the same very first boss fight, maybe six seven times. And that was the introduction of the game. The very first introduction is you, you start off so weak, so weak. And wow. I unlocked a few characters because thankfully the game does progress. Like your outside world does progress even though you're still stuck on the same, the first mission or whatever. But it's this spider boss, and it was like, I literally had a Google. I'm like, is this game, like, too hard for me? And, like, one person was like, yeah, you know, I, I died, like, four or five times on the spider boss, but every single boss after that I beat the first time. And that was pretty much my case, too. But just starting off so slow was, like, such a drag. I'm like, do I want to keep playing? Because it just was like, I kept beating my head against the wall. I didn't have enough health. I didn't have enough damage. Um, Like, I would try to dodge, but... Your, your stamina would get used up and you get caught in spiderwebs so you still get hit by the damage. So it's just like, finally I was able to beat it, but... What's the Dark Souls 2, like, first boss? I, I think I've played against him probably, uh, you know, eight to ten times. 
and, I, and time, I, even every time I play Dark Souls two again, it's like, oh, I'm gonna face this guy like five times. Right. First boss. Um, and I think Rob is a big fan of From Software games. I know he is, and I think he's built differently. Um, he just is able to absorb that punishment. Me, I'm a little uh, weakling, and I just I just don't like beating my head against the wall. Um, and like I said, I I I, I went through mostly the rest of the game fairly easy it's not a super long game it's about 10 hours there's only a couple realms um and it's fun to see like if it's fun to take part in the family and see everybody else's like powers and upgrade them and and i like the long-term progression um but ultimately man i just don't i don't know if roguelites and me mesh super well i think i just need something super super different uh even like i said i didn't even beat hades and i loved hades so i just need something really different in order for me to go through that run over and over uh, because I just even even w- with the randomly generated uh, like environments, it's not the same. Thankfully, it's not the right. same. Uh, you're not going in the same room every time. But I don't know. I'm I'm gonna end up giving it a 78. I think it's a very good game. I would highly recommend it. If you'd like roguelites, you're gonna like it. I think I just I need more time with roguelites. Some different versions. I played Undermine. I was fine. I don't think I would like Splunky. Um, it just I don't know. Uh, but thank you, Rob. I appreciate the recommendation. Um, I'm going to force Rye to get it, and then we're going to do co-op. And I think co-op, I would enjoy the game a lot more. It, I think it would just be more fun to be had, more laughs. Um, it, it would be easier to have someone to have my back. Yeah, it's always easier. Like, if you if you win together or you fail together, it's always a better a yes. better time. Yes, 100%. So I, I think I w- I'm, I'm going to do that, and I think maybe my rating will go up uh, accordingly. But appreciate the good look out, Rob my big gamer month of the month yes um, gamer a boy. short a short hike um recommended by the one and only chris bartell bartlett chris bartlett yeah. well, recommended by the one and only chris bartlett who's also part of the splunkers uh gaming podcast and the second host of gotta rank them all so um, this is definitely my sort of uh, switch speed of a game, um, uh, a la to uh, walking around and doing goofy tasks um, uh, via Stardew Valley. Mm. Um, so you're you're on this, I forget what the island's called, um, but you're basically on this small island. You're this uh, sort of a shut-in, uh, I think you're a penguin, but you can fly. If I'm not mispa- mistaken, a little burb. Um, you're you're some type of burb. Um, but you get suggested by your parental figure at some point, like, hey, maybe you should get out the house and go on the uh, hawk. Uh, was it the hawk crest or the hawk trail? Um, and it basically, uh, you go through this journey to the uh, top of the uh, mountain that's on the island. Um, but uh, required to get to the top of the island, you need uh certain skills. And you acquire these skills uh, through the interactions with the NPCs on the on the island. So er, very early on, you you talk to this guy on the beach who's making sandcastles, um, and he's using like a full size shovel, and he says it's very uh, uh, inadequate for what he's trying to do. So um, maybe if you found like a small pail shovel, you can trade him shovels. Um, and in that, then you can now dig big holes and find coins and. Uh, treasure chests around the island that are you know marked by these little holes that you use your big shovel on um 
other than that, there's also the um, uh, climbing and the flying aspect of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so base stats, she uh, can't climb at all, mm-hmm. um, but she can fly. And if you tap the A button, you could you get one flap out of it. Okay. Um, flying is much more like gliding. Um, and flapping only extends your gliding and you can't really gain like a ton of altitude. Um, but you basically just glide all the way down, um, till you're out of flight juice. Um, but throughout the, um, Island, there's certain, uh, ways you can obtain, um, golden feathers, which give you an extra flap extending your glide time, basically, um, to get to the top of the Hawk crush trail, you need like 10, I think. Maybe around ten, maybe around fifteen. Um, so it ends up it pushes you down to the island. You're talking to every single NPC, having a, a cute little walk around time, trying to get these um golden feathers to get to the top of the hike. Okay. And I mean, basically, that's the entire game. Um, the main character's name is Claire, which oh, oh, big Claire, big old Claire. That's my daughter's name, so I sound. I feel like I I need to play this now. Um, and uh, any, everything I can find is it says either anthropomorphic bird or it says uh, a navy blue bird. So it's it, it could be a penguin if you want. It looks a little penguiny to me. I mean, it definitely has like wings. So has, has wings to fly. So it it's a a, a cousin of the penguin. <laughs> He's a little dodo, you know what I mean. Um, but as far as that, it's just like a very like cute and simple, relaxing, extremely relaxing game. Um. It's like perfect for what I usually do on the Switch, which is just like lay down and like play cute, fun, mind numbing games until like I'm ready to go to bed. Um, I think this one, it took me like an afternoon and a night to like uh, figure out like the loop of the game. And then after that, it was like, I'm just going to talk to every NPC that I can. Um, Yeah, I mean, when they say short hike, it really is a short hike. Yeah, I mean, and then also, like, after that, like, I found that there's an abundance of, like, cheats for the game. Oh, wow. That'll get you, like, uh, you know, all the items, uh, you can max out your feathers, and after that, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm really jamming in this game, I'm trying to find, like, certain secrets and, you know, little Easter egg type things, I'm trying to, I'm trying to beat this girl and, like, all of her races by, like, cheating and, like, refilling my, fl- <laughs> my, my feathers and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I had a really good time with it. It's very cute. Um, just like, uh, what was the game? Fire watch Firewatch. Yeah. Like I just kind of like chilled and like had a good time with it. Cool. Um, which is always like a, a pleasurable experience uh, considering I've been playing a bunch of evil dead. Right. And that is, that is straight up like banging my head up against the wall. Yeah, like, stressful. Freaking just running around verses and like, this is my calm. This is my therapy right here. <laughs> let me just get off the PS4 and take a short hike. I am calm. We're going to be right around an 82 out of 100. Nice. Um, if you're a fan of that like relaxing gameplay, um, I definitely suggest it. It's one of the nicer versions of it, and, and there's a lot to do. You get, there's a lot of like little mini games. There's, a lot, there's fishing. You just go around and fish, which is a big part of my um, entire life uh, in the game. Go around and fish, race the little girl in parkour. It's all a bunch of fun. I need to play this. I really do. I feel like it'd just be such a such a little jam. Such a little joy jam. Joy jam. Thanks, Chris. 
We're going from video games to board games. We're going from bing to bop. We're going from ching to chat. We're looking at ingenious. And that's that's not me saying you're looking at me as an, uh, someone who's ingenious. We're looking at a board game called Ingenious. This comes from the uh, young mind of one Charles McGregor, developer of Hyperdot, Tribe Games Studio. Um, big up, Charles. I appreciate you um, participating, recommending this. However, I would say Ingenious is a very, very simple abstract placement game. Abstract strategy game with tile placement. Sorry. Um, it, it is a, a game where you have a hexagon grid and then you have basically like domino like pieces. So it's two hexagons and they have different symbols and then you just place them on the board and then you score, uh, points based on the colors that are going in a straight line touching. Uh, so it's very simple. The, the winner is the person with the, uh, highest points on their lowest color. So that's where this, like kind of the real strategy comes in. You can't just go all in and try to go. Oh, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get my purple to, to 14, or to, I think that maxes out at 18. I'm gonna try to get my purple to 18, and then I'm gonna win. It's like no, you gotta get every single color up. And by the time the game's over, you're like crap. This one's at five, and I I'm not seeing where I could place this. There's no other blues available, so I'm like crap. I'm like, how do I score one more blue? Um, so it's it's interesting in that realm, and also I see the correlation, um, how this could almost be like inspiration for Hyperdot because Hyperdot has a lot of these like, um, simple, uh, yet, you know, you're really kind of thinking about the big picture, um, like, like puzzly type, like maneuvers, especially with the, with the bright colors. So I, I could definitely see why this is, is like Charles jam me. However, I would compare this closer to like a Quirkle. I don't know if you ever played Quirkle. Sounds familiar. It's another like color tile placement type thing, but it's one tile at a time. Um, and I would say I'm happy I have this because when my mom comes into town, this is going to be a great three person game between me my wife, and my mom at like, say at like 9 PM, my mom will love this. This is totally her jam. And she, and she will totally like, this is something that her brain goes off on because it's, it's couple, like a couple glasses of wine. Yes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. After she's had uh, post post dinner, post dinners, had some gray goose. She'll, her, her brain will really enjoy this because she, she likes where it's like simple idea but you really have to think a few steps ahead to make sure everything is clicking on all cylinders um and that's why she likes the the simpler stuff like Moncala and whatnot I, I mean i imagine we're going to play a little bit more complex board game with her but uh i think she would like something like this a lot more because this is something that she can take home with her and play um with mike and i think my stepdad and uh and i think they would they would enjoy that on their like Hey, let's just relax, have some drinks, play some um, ingenious. Yeah, I think there's always like a, there's always room for like these types of games to have like one and two in your collection. Mm-hmm. Um, just because like like you said, like it it's simple yet it's abstract. So like you can sit and play it for a long time. I think it's like one of the biggest points of like games like that is like y- everyone will understand um, what to do like quickly. Mm-hmm. So it ends up you just get into like the game flow, right? For, like quicker and you end up staying in it longer right and she is that type that will do multiple like plays at a time whereas like me and steph are usually more like one play and then we put it away of pretty much every game that we play right right um but it it is one that goes pretty quick um and i was i was happy with it like i said i'm I'm probably gonna end up gifting with her i think the most egregious part is that i spent 40 bucks on it um it is the 
the tiles are very, very pl cheap plastic. They're hollow. Um, so it's not even like a domino type piece. If it was like a thick, like almost like marbly type domino type piece, totally. I, I, I see, I see the worth, but this is like, a, it's like a cardboard board. Um, it's got a bag. Um, it's got some like trays for you to like, almost like domino trays, you know, to like stack up your, mm -hmm. like your mm -hmm. six tiles. Um, but it, it, the, the actual tiles are just super cheap plastic. And I just like the entire time stuff is like, this was 40 bucks. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know if it's retail 40 bucks or I just had to buy it off Amazon for 40 bucks because that's the only price I could have got it for. Um, like I said, I'll, it, it'll probably end up being a gift for my mom. Uh, I'm going to end up giving it a 70, 70. I think it's good, but just barely. It's just not enough there for me. Um, but I think other people who are, um, who like a little bit more simplicity with their board games, I think it'd be you know, perfect for them. Like, like I said, like my mother. So appreciate that, Charles. Thank you for the recommendation, brother. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, my big old board game of the month. Mm -hmm. Uh, we're, we played, we're doomed. We are doomed. We had a little birthday get together. Um, and we played, we're doomed. This was recommended by Brian Keese. Of Draft Punk's fame. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, B Word. What'd you think of We're Deemed? Um, so uh previously uh we had I had uh presented a game called Helapagos. Helapagos. Um, Last month's episode and for those faithful listeners, we talked about Helapagos. Um We're Doomed uh takes the same sort of premise as in um you are trying to get out of this situation cooperatively. Um, uh, in where doomed you each play as some type of, uh, world societal leader. Um, and the bombs are, a uh, fallen. There are coming. There's no question about it. They're coming down. Um, uh, collectively you are trying to build a rocket and enough seats on that rocket gets you off of that B, you know, off that planet. That's ugly a, ass planet The where, where all the poor people go to die mm -hmm. basically. So, um, very interesting. Um, the I think the highlight of this game is that there is a fifteen minute timer. Uh -huh. Um, so, uh, rocket built or not, uh, fifteen minutes come up. Um, the only thing that will get you uh onto the rocket, not only in seats, but is your um influence influence points. Um, so these points are earned through uh. Either just uh, it's your action. You can gain influence points. You could steal them depending on your um, uh, world leader abilities. Um, uh, also, you uh, draw cards. The first person in, in the in the loop in the table is going to draw a card. Uh, basically, these event cards, um, and those will also give you influence points. Um, but it, it it really really died down to like is. Is even anybody able to get off of this uh, <laughs> planet in general? Because um, it's a it's a little it's a little uh, it, it it takes Halapagos and where it's like you want to try to be competitive and there's probably a good chance that majority of you will get off the island if it goes smoothly. In we're doomed, it's like it, you you really got to work. You really got to work to get some seats, and then if there's like one to two seats and there's five people playing, you have a target on your back if right. you have influence points. So there's a right. huge target on your back and it's, it's still very easy to just like nuke somebody else and, yeah. and take them out of the game permanently. So we played with seven people and, um, the game I would say is most comparable to, um, comparable. 
to coup, C-O-U-P, which I also talked about on the show. In coup, you have um, multiple choices uh, on your turn. Like, what, what's your action going to be? Are you going to collect this, collect, do that, steal this? And it's very similar. You can steal stuff from other governments. You can just collect influence points straight up. And each government has their own um, special bonus thing that you can basically get to do a, one of the actions for free instead of paying for it. Or you get to do an additional, uh, take three instead of two, you know. So you're kind of thinking to yourself, what do I want to do? Do I want to look like I'm contributing? Do I want to like gain influence behind those scenes? Because even if you contribute nothing to the actual flight, if you have the most influence points, you you still basically win. Yeah, you get a, you get a flight out of there. And then in the inverse, like if you're sitting there gathering resources the entire time, you're not gathering influence, which will actually get you onto the you know the rocket itself. Um, the, the hard part is that it is 15 minutes, so you've got zero time and you, everyone has to take their actions and read their cards really fast and do everything really quickly. And that's kind of where the like rubber stopped me in the road for me at least was like, oh crap, like it, it is a cool thing to be like, have this real time game, um, have that pressure. But at the same time, it was like, is 15 minutes enough? Like imagine if we were playing with 10 players, like maybe it should be scaled with player count because I, I could I could see you going like if you're playing with four players, you the four of you can go around really quick and get enough seats because you need less seats per uh, amount of player. Yeah, I think so it, it just doesn't like, make sense that the the time wouldn't scale with players. Yeah, so like the rocket itself needs like forty resources, was it? Just to leave, just to leave, just to with one be, player. Yeah, be flight capable, and then every twenty, every ten, every ten resources after that meant one seat. Yeah, so it was forty is one person, fifty is two people, sixty is uh, three people, and so on. Yeah, so like um as far as our games went, I think we got to like uh with seven people playing and like it, granted it was kind of a hectic game. There's mm-hmm. definitely some uh crazy things going on in the 15 minutes. Um but we were still kind of diligent and got to like 37 resources. So like still not enough to build the rocket, but I mean with seven people working semi-diligently, maybe one or two of those people were collect- like stacking influence and not exactly contributing resources as much we still just barely even were under the mark to build the rocket right and it's real easy to get petty as dri saw um he was stealing resources from other players and then they'd steal them back and so that just didn't help anything right yeah if we got in a stalemate of like just you know the clock is on us we're trying to make a decision it's like i'll just steal from him and then you you steal back and then you realize like oh we did that for three turns and yep. then now we're not able to add anything to the rocket. And you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. We were we were stupid. That yep. was dumb. And then, like, other people are, like, you know, who are piling these influence points, and there's no rocket to be built. You know what I mean? Right. Um, luckily, you know, you pull an event card, and, you know, you get out of there off the skin of your teeth. But you, uh, if you didn't pull that event card, we all would have lost. And the ev- event deck is massive, and there's so many random stuff. One of the event cards uh, I pulled was just as simple as flip the the uh, hourglass so if you're at the end of the game and you flip the hourglass then boom great tack on an extra 10 12 minutes but if you if that's the first event card you draw then the game's over and you just start a new one you know what i mean yeah. so it's like the event cards are just so random so rng so like heavy they're such game swayers i think i would i think what would benefit this game specifically well for one maybe 20 to 25 minute scale and the amount of resources it takes to build the rocket it should scale with like the time and the amount of players yeah, yeah um so time and resources to scale with the players and then also um i think 
next time if I, uh, if I, I do feel like I want to buy it, we rented okay. it for this one. Um, I want to go through that deck and kind of like weed out some of the, like the cheese, cheesy ones. Like I, I, for, for one, I don't want anyone to get a free ride to the rocket through the event card, which absolutely it, can happen, which maybe I'll leave like very little of those. Um, but also like ones like that where just like flip this and it's like, do I really need that in the deck? Yeah. Or maybe same thing. Like I would cut down on some of those ones, but the other ones that are like steal this or like gain influence this or like steal resources here or eliminate this player. Right. Some of the secret objectives are cool. Yeah. Some exactly. Some of those secret objectives that like, or like, you know, personal missions that people get, like, I like those. Right. That's your own storyline almost. Right. I would rather see an uptick of those. Um, and maybe it, it might be a little unethical for me to stack the deck that way and just get a quick little mix and, you know, understand all the event cards before. But I mean, it, I think overall for the people enjoyed, like nobody wants to flip the, flip the timer freaking two minutes into the game. Right. And I, and I think the idea is, Oh, it's only 15 minutes. So who cares? But it's like, nah, it's, it's your gaming experience. Well, like, yeah, I want to play this for 45 minutes and yeah. I don't want 10 of it to be like a, a goofy game where someone's like pulled an event, like free ticket to ride. Yeah. Later, losers. There was one card that I think I had to just put back in that deck. Cause it was like, it was literally like, Oh, these people, um, give all their resources and then they're, they're guaranteed a seat. Like if you're in like a democracy, it's like you're guaranteed a seat on the plane now. Yeah. I think it's like, like if someone matches your government, like your, uh, influences count together and stuff like that. And I was like, that's kind of, yeah. Like if, if in a game, especially in a game of seven, if someone found that, I would be like, that's kind of annoying. Yeah. That's kind of unfortunate because, because barely one of us is going to get off anyway. Right. Heavy RNG. Uh, what's your rating for this brother? Um, yeah. So as far as uh, board games go, this is one of my favoritos. We're gonna nice. give it a uh, eighty-six out of a hundred. Nice. Yeah, I'm a little bit cooler than you are. I'm. I'd probably give it a seventy-seven. Um, I would play it again. I like the. I like the party aspect. Um, hopefully you'll buy it. Uh, I, I'm probably not going to, but I did enjoy my time with it. So thank you, Brian, for the the big wreck, bro. To be right. Comic book, schmomic book. That's that's what I always say. Um, I got a recommendation here from one Stephanie Hintz. Shout out to the wifey Wu. Uh, she recommended me a book that she was kind of going blind into, but uh, agreed that it would be a good graphic novel. It's called Mouse, M-A-U-S. If you've ever looked up any top graphic novel, all-time list, it's guaranteed going to be the top five, top ten. Um, Mouse is uh, from, like, 1991. And it's a graphic novel about a um, a son um, who is writing down his father's Holocaust story, um, and basically about how he went through the war and through uh, survived Auschwitz. Um, and so the the vehicle sounds kind of depressing, but uh, the art style of this like pen drawn, almost like sketch style of uh, all of the uh, Jewish people are portrayed as uh, mice and all of the um, Nazis are portrayed as cats and then all of the Polish people are, are portrayed as pigs. And just this kind of simple art style that like doesn't, isn't really ever explained, but visually you understand why is, is pretty powerful. Um, it, it also k- 
kind of creates a layer of dissociation, which is nice because if, I mean, obviously we know how like graphic and brutal and horrible the Holocaust was. Um, and so to have this kind of like dissociation just makes it a lot more consumable. You still feel the weight of the story. Um, but it does just make it, I think as weird as it sounds, it just makes it enjoyable as a, as a reader to be able to kind of like get the story, get the long short of it, get the personal life of this man, um, almost like a, like a memoriam, uh, but not have to, um, not have to almost feel like you're watching a documentary or something. It, it still, it feels, it feels powerful. It feels unique. Just not not something that I think would depress you as much. Adding a, a layer of entertainment through um, sort of a, a personal experience. Yeah. Um, the, the, the coolest part about the comic is it's very meta. It's very fourth wall. So a lot of it is actually, he draws himself talking to his dad. And his dad, like, a, a lot of it is actually, like, his dad being, like, because he recorded the conversations on, like, a tape recorder. And so it's his dad yelling at him, like, you're getting cigarette um, ash everywhere. Knock it off. You know, just like a typical, like, Polish father just being angry at his son. And, like, there's a lot of, like, him complaining about his, like, remarried wife and, like, her cooking's no good. And, like, she just leaves the house as a mess. And, like, he, he's actually capturing the soul of his father and not just retelling his story, but actually kind of, like, he's, he's, he's recalling how he is in that moment and, like, their experiences together. There's even, like, a, a, a point where he wakes up from his dad calling him like early in the morning and like come over and like clean the gutters out of my house. And he's like, dad, you woke me up for this. Like I I, I can't right now. Um, and they, they're like in New York. Um, and it's, it's a very intimate personal tale and it's also unique. I've never read anything like it. I've never, it talks about, you know, his life in Poland and like, what, what did he do? He was actually very successful. These, you know, from a Jewish, um, uh, family that was very rich because they had a textile factory and like talking about his his mom um the the, our main protagonist mom um and it it goes through his life and like what what was like the hysteria like how did people think about the nazis and like uh, especially at the beginning of the war like what what did they treat them you know what was where did they think what was happening why were people separated um and so it is very interesting and it's very informative too of just like getting this information that may be lost to time if he was not able to record it um and i think that's a powerful thing behind mouse m-a-u-s is that it, it it does something that uh you no other medium really can it just captures the essence of, of a soul um in such a genuine and honest way that doesn't feel like if, if this was like recorded for a movie it would feel like scripted it would feel fake um, like the way that his father interacts, it's like, you could really feel like you're there. You can kind of understand. He even writes his father's like the way that his father talks with like a Polish accent. And like, he cuts out certain words. Like he, he's very true to who his father was. And I uh, really appreciate that about the story. It's pretty sick brother. Would you rate it? Given it 82. I think it's great. It's very, um, the drawing, like the artwork is reminds me a lot of like my dad's like pin sketches, just really like rough around the edges. Like, super heavy lines um it's all black and white um which is totally fine by me um and i think it's i think it's great um I, we have the complete collection so i only read the first half the second half is about his life in auschwitz um mm. and, and it, like i imagine however he escaped he didn't really get to the conclusion and i'll definitely be reading that because it's i'm super engrossed in the story um and i and i and i like it 
I think I almost wish there was a podcast, you know, <laughs> I almost wish there was an accompanying podcast where we're like, maybe I'll try to see if anyone interviewed this, the writer. Cause he's pretty old now. Cause he was, he was born in like right after the war. So he was born right after um, they escaped Auschwitz. Um, so, you know, he's 45, 1945, 1946. So he's pretty old now. So I don't know if there's a podcast, but maybe there's like an older interview and maybe I'll try to get more insight about him. Cause I feel like it's a very interesting, unique tale. And I'm in for these like one-off lifetime stories. Cool, man. Um, so big, big ups to Steph. Thanks for picking that one up, taking the risk. My monthly reading consisted of uh, Batman and the Mad Monk, uh, brought to us by the young and beautiful Andrew Williams. Who makes up the other half of the Best of the Rest podcast, which is the comic book movie. So we got the movie side and we got the comic side. So we, we got the, the two for one. The two for one. So this is a uh, six part comic. I um, dropped the ball, read three out of six. It um, Busy it month. Busy month. Um, but I do think I got the, uh, I might have not gotten the entire story, but I definitely gotten the, the important parts out of a comic, mm-hmm. um, which you got to see. Um, as far as the art, the covers are like, are pretty incredible. The, the cover arts like are, are something that I would like hang up. You know what I mean? Right. Um, frame straight up framed covers. Um, they're, they're like, they're all like consistent, like, um, black Batman or like a white background. And then the mad monk either like the hand or the, the cowl of the mad monk, just a, a thick, rich red. Um, other than that, the actual comic inside the book is, uh, good. Um, I like this kind of like older, grittier style, um, but it does fall to the same uh, cons as it did then, um, which would be it's kind of inconsistent as far as like faces go. Um, there's a, a few uh, instances where it's like, oh, I'm trying to depict a beautiful woman and it looks like a like a grotesque man face on mm. a woman's body. Um, other than that, like when it goes to... Um, outside of the, just the panels, like the full page arts, they're super incredible. And those themselves are, uh, well colored and well manicured. Um, it's just a, a little downfall and little inconsistencies in the actual like panel art that was unfortunate. Yeah. It's kind of, I mean, they're, they're definitely trying to hark to a earlier era cause it, it is, it's like a two thousands comic, but I think they're, I think the mad monk comes from like the early sixties. So they're mm-hmm. trying to like hark to like sixties Batman. So they're trying to give everything that kind of that aesthetic, but it it doesn't always work out. It, it it works where it needs to, and then unfortunately, where it's like you can tell like oh they didn't maybe panelly. It was just more just in the panels where it's like um, this art style itself kind of died out for a reason. Like it we evolved to make our panels look prettier. Um, and that's kind of why like that art style isn't uh uh isn't as consistent cuz you just can't be with like the thicker lines and the heavier coloring like you can't just like put so much detail it gets it gets muddied out in the smaller panels which i i kind of realized um other than that i think it's a it's a cool interesting story what i liked about it is um in every scene basically there's one character that is the narrator of the scene so like there's a scene with uh Gordon and Batman and they're on the roof um and Gordon's narrating the scene. 
So you, you're hearing all of Gordon's thoughts. And then the next scene, it might have been like a Catwoman and she's like sneaking around stealing something and she's narrating this, the scene. And then you go and the next panel is Batman and, you know, he's beating up thugs. He's narrating the scene. I think that um, kept it really, really fresh as far as like, you know, reading through and like progressing in the story. Whereas like other ones, it's like you kind of other comics, you will get into the sense like, you know, you're only seeing it from this one perspective and it gets kind of stale when you when you're just hearing Batman like be a detective. Um, But yeah, and like everyone had their like everyone's narrative had like their own color, like Gordon was yellow. um, Catwoman was like purple or something like that. And Batman's gray like it, it all of it was very kept kept each scene fresh which was nice even though they might have been a scene with not a lot of action and just dialogue in it i think uh, the line work is actually really clean i think where the, uh, just looking at uh, panels right now on my phone i think where it fails is whoever the colorist was i think didn't do a good job i don't know if it was uh, digitally done or not but just like the like there's just not a lot of like layers that are going on like between the, like the the colors and like it just looks really flat. It, it, flat yeah just it just does not pop it doesn't feel like a three dimension but i mean if the writing's there it sometimes it can take you past the you know right and, but that's why i'm saying it's like it's kind of inconsistent because there's like full pages that i'm like oh this is a sick full page and like obviously like the colors are like really vibrant red and like a dark batman you know blue and black but like as far as like it's, it really is just in the panels where it's like, um, this guy like doesn't really differentiate from the ground or the car that he's sitting on. Or, you know, there's, there's meetings with Falcone in his office and it's like, uh, there's a gray background. There's a brown desk. He's sitting in a brown chair. He's wearing a, a, a black suit. Like the diversity is, isn't, isn't there, but like action wise, I think it, I think it has its, uh, its highs and lows in there. Cool. Uh, glad you liked it. What was the rating you got for it? Um, we got it at an eighty-four. Nice. Um, I'm excited to continue it. Like I said, I just you know picked up the 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 six ish, uh, six issue iteration from a nice eBay man. Um, he gave it to me for twenty six bucks, which is which is a steal in my point. Yeah, I mean these are basically collector's items. I, I feel like you're gonna the value can only increase on that, or you can just I have the comic book frames. You know, what I mean you can just frame it. Yeah, there's a few that I'd at least like to put up. They're just they're just kind of sick looking. Yeah, I think I really like. Uh, I don't know. I think it's issue three. Whatever one has the the dog on it, you like Batman and the dog. Batman and the dog. Batman and the dog. The father son podcasting microphone. It just has to get you through three awkward years before you can both start drinking together. We got recommended two podcasts from two lovely people. Um, both are beautiful members, co-hosts, hosts of the Level Zero podcast. I had the honor of uh, dealing with one, Preston Wilkie. Um, he gave me Dr. Death Season 1. Now, this is one that you, I feel like if you've listened to podcasts in the past few years, you've at least heard it mentioned to you. You've heard it references. You've heard stories about it. You're shaking your head, no, you've never heard of Dr. Death. It's a lie. Okay. I'm a liar, um, but I, I've definitely heard about it, like just at least promotions, and I was like, oh, okay, whatever. Um, didn't actually give it the time of day. This time I did, and 
it is what you think it is. It's about a doctor who um, just ends up being careless and um, causes problems for their patients. And some of these problems are uh, death and end of mortality um, because of their incompetence. Um, the, the interesting part about it is going in, I kind of thought, oh, this doctor, he probably got um, disgruntled. And it was like, oh, now I'm going to just start doing a sloppy job and like killing people. Push comes to shove. You learn that this man should have never became a doctor. And he's not, he doesn't actually have, it doesn't seem like he has malicious intent all the time. Maybe he's, I mean, yeah, he was high on drugs during these um, operations. Like nice. he just is mentally disturbed. But I think the, the even worse than maybe having intent is, um, delusion so this man legit thought he was a very talented surgeon and he'd do these complex procedures but he would be extremely sloppy like leave like tissue like like gauze tissue inside someone's like throat and cause like internal bleeding and sew it back up and like this man was a doctor for a long time like even even after complication death paralyzing like people will never be the same because of this man and more places kept hiring him because he was like a, I think he was a neurosurgeon. He was, he was some kind of surgeon that it just means money. You, the hospitals see him and they're like, Oh, this man's going to bring in money. Let's hire him. Like they don't even maybe some actual reporting wasn't being done correctly because it's a lot of like paperwork or there's a big paper trail, but there was a lot of people who failed these like Texan citizens that really trusted this man who had a website with like fake testimonials saying that like, he was a great doctor and it just like really spooked me for like the state of like American healthcare. Yeah, I mean, I could see how that's like a much more scarier than someone who was like uh angry, you know? Right. Someone who's just like, oh, I am doing a great job today, you know? I did feel good about my work today and it totally didn't uh wasn't wasn't a total sham. <laughs> Like people working with the man would see him actively shaking during operation, be like, "Are you okay?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'm fine." And like th- that would happen time after time. It wasn't until like basically two doctors um, had to come up and clean up his work and be like, "This man should never operate on anyone again." And he keeps operating. They go to the board, they complain, they do whatever they can. And it wasn't until like basically like an FBI um, operative, uh, she came in and like really tried to take this man down. Like that's what it required in order to get this man arrested and, and like to stop operating. Cause they did like a suspension, but like there still were, they were worried that he could still operate on other people and like go to other places. And it just, it, it's a mind bottling, boggling, bottling, put, put all my thoughts in a bottle and shake it up, uh, experience. And I just, I was like kind of shook uh, leaving it. I was kind of shook. And then I also listened to some of the bonus podcasts and turns out they made a, a a TV show about it. It has um, Anna Sophia Robb plays the um, FBI currently, female agent. Currently aired? Uh, I think it aired last last year. Mm. Um, and then there's also um, our boy Christian Slater plays the one of the doctors. Our boy, uh, our boy, who takes down um, Doctor Death himself. Um, but overall, great podcast, really good reporting, great execution. Um, I think it's Wondery. They always do a great job. They're a great um, network. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm going to give uh, Dr. Death Season 1 an 81 out of 100. That was pretty dang good. Thanks, Presty. 
um, coming in clutch with our second podcast recommendation would be the Defrag podcast from Greg Griffith. Greg Griffith. Um, I'm almost eighty percent sure that uh, this um, podcast has ended and is is no longer airing. Interesting. Um, I checked again today on my way here. They don't have any new um, uh, uploads. Um, but what it was was a beautiful little, uh, 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 basically news slash current events, uh, podcast that was, it, it was really overall like general, um, just current events going on around the world. They would kind of like, uh, handpick their, um, own selections of like what interested them. Um, but it was also broken up into like very cute like 15 to 20 minute episodes or like per what I was using it for was just like listening to the news while walking my dog um it was like such a good uh nice fresh like news source um or even just like a current events or like something I would be more interested in do like they had a bunch of like video games and like tech episodes um those were all really really great um, other than that, like there, there's not much else to say about it. The, the host was Ozzy, um, which, uh, always delivers your news like much better. Always, always comes off the tongue a, a lot more better, hits the ear a lot better. Um, but other than that, I don't have much to say besides, um, it was a, a good podcast for what it was. So do I have some news for you? Um, I don't. I don't know where you're listening, but yeah, they're still making... Well, June 14th, is that the last one you listened to? Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. So they haven't made anything in July. Yeah. Maybe they took a break. Everyone, everyone can take a break. Take a little break. Maybe maybe, maybe take, a little, take a little break. Um, right. No, this, this is cool. Uh, uh, do you have any specific episodes that, um, that uh, stand out to you? I have a list right here, if you want to go through it. And I... Um, but there's a few different things that looked interesting to me, but anyone in yeah, particular? Yeah, for sure. Um, video game movies. Um, I went down big down the list. Um, would you rent a tiny home? Question that's, for you. That's an episode, but it's a question episode? for you. Would I rent a tiny home? Like how small are we talking? Um, I think the, in this specific episode, they were talking about like, uh, like sh- straight up, like less than, I'm trying to think like my, uh square foot square for, for reference like including the garage and the backyard this is like 1300 square feet 1300 so i think they're thinking like closer to like 2000 to 1000 square feet homes like bedroom kitchen everything so this is 1300 so 1300 square feet is this okay one. okay so maybe like 500 square feet 500 square feet okay so like half this um half this or less um maybe maybe i mean i mean even if it was like it would probably have to be bare minimum 500 square feet. Anything less than that. Oh, it, they, their PlayStation Plus versus X, Xbox Game Pass episode was very informative. Yeah. Did they talk about the new subscriptions? Yes, they did. Okay, and we're 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 diving deep into that next next month probably. Um, big dive in deep. Um, big old. Yeah, but I, I feel like their last June episode, they're like, oh, this is the last episode. Um, oh, really? I I feel like I heard that somewhere. Oh. Unfortunately, we'll do we'll do some investigation on it. Do some investigation. Maybe they'll show up in a waste cap. I don't know. Sixty-five, sixty-five episodes. I mean, that's a good run. If we make it to sixty-five episodes, I'll be I'll be happy. I'll for be us. stoked. Yeah, yeah. I think we're. I think this is like officially like 
Our last what? episode? <laughs> gotcha. Uh, no, I think this is like 32, 33. We've done a lot of different, we've done a lot of different stuff. Uh, rating the defrag? Rating the defrag. We're at an 82. It was, it was a, it's a nice source for just going there and shutting off like a real classic podcast style, but also in like 15 to 20 minute intervals is, is also nice. So you're not stuck on, you know, an hour and a half crew crime, true crime, uh, uh, infomercial freaking watch, like getting depressed all day, listening about murdered women and stuff like that. Ain't that the damn truth? Ain't that the dang truth? Now this is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down, and I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there, I'll tell you how I became the prince of a town called Bel Air. In West Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground is where I spent most of my days, chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cool and all juicy. Hello and welcome to the music section of the podcast. Um, this is where I was recommended the Kraken Quartet, specifically the album Separate Migrate. And this was by one Travis McGahey, who we featured on the Medium of the Month Season 1 music episode. I would like to say that this album is fantastic. This is a four-piece band, and I believe the instruments are synthesizer, a guitar, a xylophone, and um, drums, and it makes for this very weird, eclectic group um, that is super engaging. Um, no lyrics, all just instrumental stuff. But it's like it's it's brain music for me. Like I was just listening, mm. and my brain was just going off, like just happy. Like I love creative stuff that is super unique. And I'm not even gonna vamp any further. I'm gonna let you listen to 30 seconds of Ox because it. it Rocks my ox. seconds of ox what did you think about that one rye um have you ever seen the tv show skins i am familiar with it not watched it um their opening music song is also i think xylophone keyboard and drums um but is very uh reminiscent of that but in a like full blown out um brain music scale right no i I can't believe I even like hesitated to say that there was drums. Like the drums are so important to this band and like are the backbone that keeps everything going. They're so like creative the way they use the crashing the cymbals and like the the, the hi hats and just like really like soft on on you know on on the bass. Just beautiful, beautiful use. And I I feel like this would be such a great band to see live. Just sit down and watch live. Oh yeah, no doubt. Um, it it 
it's just all four of those pieces like just mesh together so well. Uh, it, it is really like you're you're you just like sit back, close your eyes, and your like head kind of just dances with it. Yeah, I, I was like kind of thinking like, man, this would be kind of good to underlay on a short hike. I know short hike has its own like musical like vibe mm-hmm. to it, but like something like that would like be good for like accomplishing tasks. Yeah, definitely like writing, drawing, you know, doing something. Um, as writing, far as like, yeah, writing longboards, writing longboards, um, for sure, running. Jumping, rolling parkour, jumping jacks, jumping jacks, working out. I would throw that on working out. I would throw sure. that on a little treadmill sesh. I like that one specifically because it's called Ox. That's the name of my truck um, because it was born in the year of the ox. And also my daughter is a golden ox baby because she was also born the same year as my truck. So Ox is, um, it's, it's, it's grown an affinity towards me. I really like that song specifically, but I I think the whole album is a masterpiece. I'm giving it a 90 out of 100. I think it's a fantastic album. Um, if you even liked like a hint of what you've heard in that little snippet, please give this album a listen. Uh, this was the Kraken Quartet. Uh, Separate, migrate, just beautiful, beautiful album. Thank you, Travis. You get me, and so I, I appreciate the great rec. Musically, um, I have Left and Leaving by The Weaker Thins. Um. This was a wreck from Roe and Stephen Pageanton, who are my co-worker and his wife. So thanks, Stephen and Roe. Big ups. Big ups. Thank you very much. Um, this is, I think this was a pretty popular, at least this album itself was pretty popular in the early 2000s. Um, I'm sure I've heard it before, um, but I'm going to take you on a little trip. Journey, as some might say. Um, let's go with Aside by The Weaker Things of telephones and shopping malls and knives drowning in the pools of other lives rely a bit too heavily on alcohol and irony get clobbered on by courtesy in love with love and lousy poetry That was aside from the weaker things. How did that make you feel, brother? You always love for me to talk about my feelings. I feel like we love sad white guys on this podcast. Um, <laughs> it doesn't doesn't reflect anything about us. Uh, mm, mm, mm. I think they want to be Midwest emo, but they just are too punk, and so it's a juxtaposition between the two uh, genres. Um, but I like it. I think I listened to this album. Um, it's a, it's a good album. It's, I, I, the guy's voice is a little nasally. This is, I would say they are, the sound is for sure outdated. Uh, not to say I didn't like it. I just, it, like, this is, looking it up, it is exactly the year 2000. Right. It, it, it it gives me, um, ever clear vibes. Cause I feel like that's kind of like. In the same ballpark. Yeah, so this is like, I mean, 2000, so we're we're exactly post-punk, and I feel like 2000 kind of predates, like, Midwest emo as well. And then also, like, geographically, this is Winnipeg. 
Um, I don't know how that works in a map. I don't know if that's Midwestern or not, um, <laughs> but I, I do feel like they are drawing from all those different corners. Um, it makes something that is listenable. Uh, I enjoyed my time with this album, um, but like I said, it is kind of like just out of that reach of like, um, is it something that I would listen to like over and over again? Maybe not. Um, I do find sincerity in it at least. And I, I enjoyed for the most part, the, the uh, lyrics and the voice. Uh, American football, Midwest emo band, famous one started releasing music in 98. So I wouldn't say mm. it, it does not predate Midwest emo. Maybe they're influenced by them. Truly, truly. Right. On, I'm glad you, glad you liked it. Um, let me give you a, a full, a full sure shot rating. Yeah. Give of, us the, uh, give us straight up, bro. Uh, it's a Grady 80. 80, 8-0. This is the eight zero podcast. Great great job, all the recommendations, guys. Yeah, for real. Great job. I, I think we're there with everything. Um, hashtag blessed. Hashtag big bless. Big bless in the club. All right, and as always, um, we end the show with something that we call the waste cap, and that is where... D. Rye and I take one piece of content from the previous uh, episode. So in this case, it would be the June episode, and we take each other's recommendation and cross-review them. Uh, so almost like a very mini uh, medium of the month if you, any of you have listened to that sideshow, um, which I promise a new episode will be coming soon. Um, <laughs> so uh, last month he uh, reviewed a show, uh, a manga called Vagabond or Vagabond, and it is about samurai, and it's one of the most famous manga of all time, and it started in, like, the 90s, and it's on hiatus, yada, yada. Um, I just read the first volume, which is, like, 10 chapters. Yeah, I think that, I don't even know if you get to, like, a the significant time skip or not yet. No, no, it yeah. was all, it was all, like, Pre- they're still young. Yeah. They're, like, Pre- 17 or whatever. Um, Pre-story. What, is, what do you call that? Fort? Prologue? Prologue? Yeah, prologue. And the prologue I liked. I mean, great um, art. I, I, I read some of the chapters um, in color because they have they have a color edition. Mm. And I, I, I didn't know that. Um, I did some color, some non in color, so I got to see like the juxtaposition. Uh, the, the color edition is pretty cool. Um, it, it's funny to see like this guy wearing a bandana and then that bandana is blue. And it's like, oh, you, I, didn't, I don't know why, but I just see him differently. I see him as like a a crip like samurai boss you know um but it, but it's it was it's very good um it's very solid anim- um drawing style i i really think i would prefer this almost like a, as a movie i don't uh, absolutely I, 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 I think it has all the writing on the wall to be like a very stylistic movie like yeah. live almost like live, I, action. live action yeah well it it even though it isn't a manga or you know even if it was adapted into an an anime, like it, it's so steeply, deeply rooted in reality. Mm. It's not very, it's not fantastical. It's not right. grandiose. Um, everyone is human, and if you cut, you bleed. You know what I mean. Um. Uh. So I think it. I think probably it would stand well as like a live action movie. Um, but I think it, it's also crossed in the territory of like, th- this is way too sacred to adapt. Right. And, and everybody knows anime and manga live action adaptations are usually trash. 
Well, at least manga, you can get away with it, especially like like I just said, it's 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 based in reality, so you don't like effect wise, you're not you know stepping out, you're not trying to create something that you know is gonna break the watcher's brain. Um, other than that, like, uh, it it would just be the um, you know, what chapters do you choose? Right. What, you, what arc? What arc do you choose, and what actors like can actually like give a good portrayal of said characters uh, the crazy part is that it, it, i mean it started in 98 like i feel like this manga is so ahead of its time like it, it it looks so good it's so smart with like it's writing like even in just the first volume like it just was like into like the mentality of these people and like you're trying to understand these characters what, what's going on uh, why why are they doing the actions that they're doing and it, it feels yeah you get those um it's almost like it think of like an old like well it, i guess it sort of is like a tale of the uh an old tale of you know a japanese swordsman so i guess it existed beforehand in some sort of sense in like in just writing in just you know in novel form and then after that you know you know not a lot of uh only until recently do you get a manga that's like you know sort of based in reality and works around philosophy and especially like philosophy of the swordsman like that's all like new stuff that we're doing now whereas like this is not 1998 like you said and it's just crazy that it has yet to be adapted to anything I, I think the writing's on the wall though i think it's on hiatus since 2016 once it's finished up um i think it's it's time because it, this is just i mean like i guess you could just read the first vo- volume and already know this is uh, something really really special something very different and um i, I definitely look forward to reading more almost Transcends. I almost want to pick up a collection or something. I'll I'll have on a collection with you. Yeah, I I just picked up a Battle Angel Alita. Oh. And a big old like collection of that, and I was surprised like how much I liked the art style of that. Big uh, guys. Yeah, but like just like every all the other characters are so like specific and like in the Sophia. She has big eyes because she's a bobot. Bobot. Next up on the waist cap. I didn't even get to rate it, bro. Uh, passing hell? them right up. This is my show now. Baby. Yeah, I guess I missed my opportunity. Um, no, I, I, it's only the first volume. So, I, but I would give it like an eighty-four. I think it's only gonna go up from there. Only All right, up. go ahead, bro. Done stepping on my damn toes. <laughs> this is this is as close as you can get to cheating on the waist cap without cheating. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna uh, give the old final part of uh, season five of Stranger Things. Four. Four. Season four of Stranger Things, last that we left off, we didn't actually talk about the f- final two se- episodes because they aired days, days after we finished recording. Yes. Um, first, first, first and foremost, spoiler free. Second off, did these last two episodes make you think more highly about the season or less highly about the season? I would say I'm maybe slightly higher. So a little bit hotter on the show now. A little hotter on the show. I, I, I would agree. I think it bumped it up a few points for me because only slightly, only slightly. But, I, but like I said, just a couple points. But it was enough for me to be like, oh, okay, I like the way they ended it. I like uh, certain characters' uh, final moment. Um, yes, I liked uh, the way that they handled a lot of the aftermath of everything that's going on, um, and I like that there feels like there's consequences. Um, there absolutely is consequences to what the story is, 
And I'm also extremely grateful that the future that I predicted did not come true. So if you listen to the last episode, I, I talked about how they're just going to end up back in California and the girl's going to be like, Eleven's going to show back up and she's going to be like, what's up, bitches? Um, yes. Thankfully, thankfully that did not happen. Yes. I, I, I felt the same way where it's like, mm, this is going to be a big old team up. I, I'm pretty sure I said it. I was like, this is going to be a big old team up. They're all going to reunite and they're going to defeat the big bad. Um, but and, even in even in season three, like we got a taste of consequence. Um, yes, but it, but it, the consequence didn't even show up till season four. Season three still was kind of like sunshine and rainbows. And then yeah. season season four has been kind of heavy on everyone. Everyone is like facing these consequences. Yeah, and, and it's And it's kind of crazy that like it. it the show is just kind of almost taking a turn like thematically and mood wise of where it is. Yeah. In a, in a good way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's always nice. Like when you have sort of this, like a superhero set of characters or like you, you realize that this is not based in reality, but also getting a taste of those, like, uh, like if this was reality, there'd be real consequences to saving the world. Yeah. And I think, I think this might be the second best season. For, for sure. For me. Yeah, I'm, for sure. I think I go I go three, four, one, two. Yeah, no doubt. Um, uh maybe yeah, three was probably better. Four's good. Um the only thing um uh I would like to say is Eddie is the is a by far one of the most talented guitarists. The character Eddie is one of the most talented guitarists we've ever seen on camera. Um this is because uh, Metallica's Master of Puff- Puppets was released in March 3rd, <laughs> 1986. Um, the uh, the supposed uh, timeline is uh, March 18th of 1986. So it took Eddie less than two weeks to learn the entire song Master of Puppets <laughs> by Metallica. And if you think of the, uh, the time, um, there's no YouTube. There's no uh, how-to's. Um, there's not even probably not even a tab book available. Of he he learned song. it by ear. He learned it by ear, and not even just by ear, but by tape. So he's listening to the tape, rewinding the tape, playing it back, and then playing it to himself. The greatest guitarist we've ever seen in any adaptation of any show. Uh, true goat. True goat. And one of the one of the best characters in the Stranger Things four seasons run. Oh yeah, for sure. He's he's a top five character, and it's and it's hard to do that. It's hard to introduce a character in a season that's just already like a show that's already been established, and then you instantly like respect them, even though you don't like know everything. You don't know the whole big picture. Like they did a great job with that, and, and Eddie's character like really brings like this season wouldn't be good without him. Like as good without him. Rating. Um, I was trying to see if we have it. Uh, I did not. I did not write uh, it down, but I did write. It, I have a twenty twenty two ranked list, which you should be keeping up as well for mm-hmm. uh the wasties um, of course and i gave um stranger things season four i gave that an 85 at the end of the day it's a great 85 bumped it up like three points because the the finale was pretty good yeah i love the finale um i wasn't mad at, i wasn't really mad at anything about it um i'm i'll i'll, I'll meet you at an uh, 89 oh okay steph this is her favorite season i think she gave it like 95 as well she's she's severance and stranger things were like highlights of her her she, year she had a good year she had a good year <laughs> T- Twas a good year Twas a good month 
And speaking of good years, it was a good year with you guys at home for listening to How to Waste Your Time. And remember, if you missed out on this two-year anniversary, fret not. Because every single month we do read, in a segment we call The Timetable, any email that we get. And if you recommend something to us that you wanted to recommend here but just didn't get to, we will consume it. Now, I can't promise we're going to do a whole everything on it. We'll consume it in some portion. If it's a movie, we'll probably finish it. But if it's like a TV show or a video game, we'll touch it. Absolutely touch it. Um, and that email, once again, is how to waste your at gmail.com. There's, there's, no, uh, there's no time there. It's just how to waste your. I, th- I thought we got a new sponsor at the end. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> and uh, I hope it was a good year. And if you would like a set of new tires, we're, uh, <laughs> Goodyear is offering us a three plus one bundle if you use the code how to waste your at Goodyear.com. Um, good two years of podcasting to you, brother. Cheers. Um, let's do it again next year. I'll see you next year on on the three year anniversary. We'll we'll definitely do this once more, and um, get your licks in on on Route sixty six. And like I said again, uh, we're it's good year g o o d y e a r dot com slash how to waste your. Uh, bye. Bye bye. How do you say board game in Spanish? Bordo. I think we're cutting that one. We're going to cut that one out. We're going to cut that question out. We're going <laughs> we're gonna, to we're gonna peel back the kimono here and just keep that in, actually. All right, so...